Indiana. Welcome to the Crossroads Sports Radio Show, presented by Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, sports fans, and welcome to Crossroads Sports Radio, episode already number 80, or it's big 8-0. I'm your host, Brandon Reef. Joining me once again, Jonathan Birdsong, Crossroads Sports, presented by Blog Talk Radio. JB, how are you? Man, doing good, man. Good evening, uh, Crossroads uh, family. Uh, man, it, Brandon, can you believe this weather in Indianapolis we having? Not, uh, not too hot, not too cold? I would not have believed it this morning. <laughs> oh yeah, this morning yeah, it was foggy. It was bad. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But uh I will tell you what most people will believe is we've got an action packed show tonight. Uh dude, dude I'm, I'm geek. I'm super, I'm super geek. I'm super Two geek. hours is not enough if you think about it. But we're going to have to jam it all in. We've got NBA Finals Ooh. talk tonight. Uh we yep. got game 5. We've got NBA free agency talk to go on. We've got baseball, MLB. Yeah, you, you yep. heard that right, folks. Turn your speakers up. Uh, MLB, we're going to talk a little baseball, some of the MLB ratings. Is it slumping? We'll find yep. out. We've uh, we've got an interview, huge interview. First one will be at 7 o'clock here at the top of the hour with former Ball State great. Uh, I call him the mayor of Muncie. We'll see if he answers to that as well. Peyton Stovall, uh, he'll be joining us here at 7 o'clock. Uh, for about a half hour or so, talking just about sports and, and life uh, with him. Uh, and then we'll kind of hit some quick hitters. And then around 7.55 or so, we'll have uh, Tony Brownfield, who is a columnist at the Troy. Saturday Evening Post. Troy. 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 I don't know why I call him Tony. I'm always thinking Tony in my head. I got it written down here. I even got Troy. Troy. Brownfield joining yeah. us about 7.55. Talk everything in the uh, pop culture, entertainment Comics, WWE, wrestling, yep. you name it. Yep, you name so, it. He knows about it. <laughs> absolutely. Definitely looking wild. forward to that. Prepare to be wild, Brandon. <laughs> oh, I'm, I am just going to sit back and let you take over the show for that next, uh, that following 25, 20, 25 minutes. So I'm looking forward you. to it. I got you. Well, uh, well, all right. You want to start out first? Well, I think we're going to start with the most important thing going on here. And, uh, it's got to be the NBA. We've got Game <laughs> 5 tonight. I mean, you would get this. And now, the 1995 NBA Finals. <laughs> You'd get that. You know that guy from the United Center. So, right. big game tonight. Uh, the Warriors on the ropes. Kevin Durant is going to play. We uh, Listen, folks. We knew this all along. KD was going to play. I texted Jonathan Birdsong weeks ago. I haven't told you guys. This dude's going to play. He's going to come back. He's going to be the savior for this team. They're going to win a Super Bowl. They're going to win an NBA title. He's going to go off, make all mm-hmm. that money. Here's my thing, John. This guy right here, if he didn't think he could come back and do it, he wouldn't put himself out there to do it. And you want to know why? Because Kevin Durant worries about his image. How many times do we see it on Twitter? When he gets in Twitter beefs with people, he has burner accounts. This dude cares about his legacy. He cares about his image. Uh, I am going to put the reef guarantee down and you can take it to the bank they are going to win game five they are going to win game six they are going to win Uh game seven wow wow i still got the warriors you still got the warriors but and the word they say believe that 
to believe that. <laughs> right. Well, Brandon, uh, man, it's it's. I think I'm going to have to go the other direction with that. I think this gives the Warriors a shot in the arm that they need and maybe a wake-up call. But let's be honest, like that's that's the, that's how they play when they get jostled and woken up or agitated. You know, they people doubted them against Houston. People kind of doubted them going against uh, Portland. And like now, and then, dude, but Brendan, like they're the most casual playing, like best team you've ever seen. They they play on the edge, like it's like you know we're one game out of, you know we're one game. They could have had Kevin Durant maybe, you know a game before. And technically, Brandon, they played well enough not to have Kevin Durant. It's just that they lapse. They have great mental right. lapses on both ends of the floor, to where when you see them turn on the switch, you're like, where has this team been at? Like when they turn on the switch and they and you know Steph and Clay, and and, and everybody's hitting their shots and everybody's playing defense and they're all passing the ball and it's like the most beautiful brand of basketball as Bill Walton <laughs> alludes to, it's the most beautiful brand of basketball that you've ever that you've ever <laughs> that you've ever that you've ever seen. That's my best Bill Walton crossroads, folks. That's my best Bill Walton. But uh, but no, in all seriousness, man, like I I I I get them winning tonight. Because he he he'll be a he'll be a shot in the arm. You're going against the crowd, and that crowd's gonna be uh uh you know uh crazy. The Toronto Raptors crowd's gonna be crazy. Um, and like I said, I don't foresee them getting a game out of Sergey and Baca that they got out of him on the road. I mean that's that Sergey and Baca turned the turn back time. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> in the game game four, he, he was Sergey. You know the All Star Sergey from from the Oklahoma years, right? But yeah. I. I but there's one thing you can't like. So there's one, there is one X factor Toronto has for him besides Kawhi Leonard, and that's Van Fleet. Van Fleet's playing not necessarily with a chip on. I'm sure he he, he probably does play with a chip on his shoulder because I'm pretty sure he's he's a, he's a, either he was a second round late second round pick or he was undrafted, where a lot of teams kind of snoozed on him, passed on him, and like now he's playing inspired basketball because he's a new you know saying he's a new papa, new new father. And like you know, saying all those, all those, uh, all those factors, you know, what I'm saying, kind of, kind of go your way. The mojo, as it is, he's been hitting shots and he's playing, he's been playing very well, um, in, this, in, in this particular series. But um, I, like I said, I kind of agree with you a little bit. I think, I think the Warriors kind of survived tonight. But my, my goodness, man, Kawhi Leonard's the number one player in the world, and he's Stop playing it. like it. And he's playing. Stop he, it. No, he's playing. He, no, dude, he's playing. The Doc Rivers took a fifty thousand dollar hit to his pocket. For saying Kawhi Leonard is the best player in the world. Now, just because he doesn't, he's he's not all on social media like LeBron, and he doesn't, and he doesn't, he's not worried about his feelings like Kevin Durant, and he doesn't play a cerebral game as 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 Stephen Curry. Man, he's he's playing. I mean, I, I know sometimes you know he, you know he he has that his his average game what his 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 his, his, his mortal game is like what nineteen points twenty points. But when but when you put all everything what he what he brings together he can rebound he can pass a little bit. He's not going to pass like Scottie Pippen. He's not going to pass like Matt Johnson. Just not just put that. Up. I'm not I'm not saying he's that kind of a wizard. You know what I'm saying wizard with the basketball when it comes to assists and whatnot. But he can pass. He is a willing passer. But he rebounds. He plays defense. He blocks shots. He gets steals. He he hits critical baskets, uh, all the things you and, and he kind of he's a silent leader and all those things. In, in my estimation, that he's like I, I kind of see what Doc sees now. Now I'm not saying Michael Jordan, but he's the best basketball player playing right now. So I I, I still as well with all that being said, uh, it'll be a close game. But if Kevin Durant is at least seventy five percent or to eighty percent, 
the Warriors are are, are virtually unbeatable. And I and I kind of it ended up being kind of on the onus of the of Toronto Raptors to figure out the how to to get back, how to how to you know say react to this this scheduled lineup change. Again, I don't think Kevin Durant's one hundred percent though. Listen, you know, but listen, go ahead. I've heard it. As Stephen A's tells Max Kellerman, hold up, let me take over from here. (laughs) I'm sorry. We got a guy coming back tonight uh, by the name of Kevin Durant, who is a uh, most valuable player in the season. He is a two-time finals MVP. And I can sit here and say, yeah, I think, Jonathan, I think you're blinded by all the headlines because – all the headlines can be right now is all about Kawhi for the last two series because why? What were who were they before that? Back when they were getting Raptors had to go seven games with the Sixers, they couldn't get past Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons and them for a while. Well, they were struggling. Well, who, who wasn't struggling? I never, who wasn't struggling? I, Kevin I never Durant. Said he was weak. Kevin Durant. Well, I, I get Kevin it. I get Durant. It. Kevin Durant so, was the number one basketball player until he went down. But like we man, need Kawhi to bend the knee. We need to knee. bend the oh, knee wow. back for for Mr. Durant. He is back on his throne to take his rightful place tonight. I don't know why I'm sounding okay. like uh, Stephen A. Smith right now, but <laughs> you channel me. <laughs> I just think you've forgotten what we've had with Durant in these past playoffs. What we've had with, with yeah, in, we... in these playoffs, this is still the same Kawhi that struggled against Philly for a couple, two games, three games. Kind of went. Did they uh, be- did he MVP. did he beat Philly at the buzzer? He beat Philly at the buzzer on a very lucky shot. Lucky, very lucky, lucky shot. <laughs> did he beat? Did he did he play the defense that had to be played on Giannis? I'm I'm just saying you're going to do a team next year. Who are you going with? <laughs> are you taking Kawhi or are you taking Durant? Tonight tonight I'm taking the Warriors. No 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 no. You're I starting think... a team. You're a general manager, oh, Jonathan Birdsong, next year. You have number okay, one pick glad, between those two. You know what, Brandon? I'm glad I'm glad you brought that up. So when we talk about Kawhi Leonard, the, the Toronto Raptors are already a contender, are they not? Yes or no? They are. We talk about Kawhi Leonard going to the Clippers. We had Coach Brantley on a couple couple weeks ago. What did he say? There'd be automatic contenders. We never say Kawhi Leonard has to join forces with another superstar for them to become contenders. When we always talk about Kevin Durant going, to he the already Knicks, was. We all we already talk. He went to a contender. He, he, yeah, he already went to he, he went to the champs. All right, but I'm saying, listen, listen, what I'm here to say. <laughs> I'm just when saying say, he was with we D- say, Duncan and all them. Well, he was already well, there. Uh well, but but we're we're not living the past. We're living in. <laughs> we, you asked me about a, you asked me about a Kevin well, talking in the future. When we talk about <laughs> Kevin Durant going to when we talk about Kevin Durant going to the Knicks. We always talk about is Kyrie going to go with him? Is he going to go to Brooklyn? We always talk about him joining forces with somebody else. Can the Knicks parlay their picks and get another superstar to come play with him? I'm not saying that if Kevin Durant goes to the Knicks and he does and then Kyrie doesn't go with him cuz all all you know what I'm saying rumor mills that Kyrie's going to sign with Brooklyn for some ungodly reason, but he's, I mean that's that's his choice, right? He believes the world's flat. I know better. You know better. But but in all seriousness, man, like if Kevin Durant goes to the Knicks and they don't get anything else, and maybe they probably their third pick for a, a second tier free agent or some other veteran talent. They'll be in the playoffs, but they won't. I mean, I'm talking about contenders for the East. That's what I'm kind of talking about. You know what I mean? So, but when we talk about Kawhi Leonard, he's already got. You, you, what, what's the difference between this Toronto Raptors team 
I mean, we know the difference. Me and you are because we're smart marks. We know the difference between this Toronto Raptors team and last year's Toronto Raptors. It's basically the same core team. DeMar DeRozan. The exception of Kawhi Leonard. Hey, man, you know. And the head coach. The head coach, they had a head coach change, and they they traded um, my guy, the big Russian. He's I don't think he's Russian, but whatever. Malachunas? Yeah, they traded Balachunas for Gasol. And if you kind of look at their stats, man, tip for oh my goodness, tip for tat, right? Obviously, Gasol's the All Star and, and probably got a quicker foot. Got a, probably got a pinky toe, a pinky toe in the Hall of Fame, maybe. And Balanch, you know, some Balanchunas still working on his resume, but they, they're kind of. Do you, you think you they kind of pick your poison with us? Do you think they still would have been where they're at now in the NBA Finals if they would have just kept Balachunas instead of Gasol? Because I do. I think they could have done yeah, the I'm exact saying, same thing they're doing. You can switch those parts out. You can switch those parts out. But you, but Kawhi Leonard is the main is the main factor here. DeRozan, yeah, and here's here's my thing with ahead. the Raptors, and I've been giving them shit all series just because they're an Eastern Conference team and they're not the Pacers. And I mean, some Raptors fans got into it a couple of years ago, and on Twitter, the Pacers after uh, I forget who it was, it it might have been Canada's Lance so Stevenson beautiful. scoring. Yeah, oh yeah, mm-hmm. they're just. It's me against Canada. Twitter even was upset. I was at USA against Canada. Um, <laughs> the big difference between Golden State and Toronto in this series. Now, Portland had – or Portland, gee, many Christmas. Toronto has not had uh, fluke wins at all, any of their three wins. They haven't been just a fluke. Oh, my God. I mean, my God, they won two in Oracle. When's the last time the Warriors lost two straight in Oracle Arena? Probably right. a long time ago. Uh, right. Regular but, season maybe, but not – Yeah, yeah absolutely. No. The Raptors are getting that contribution from those type of role players that would win a championship. Van Vliet one night, Kawhi another night, uh, Danny Green one night, Serge Ibaka yeah. another night. You know, uh, it, and that's awesome. fine yeah. and great, and it's it, you're you're getting it at the right time. It's just I, I feel like John, they've got a six shooter in their hand, and every game they're they're firing another bullet of who's having a big night. At some mm-hmm. point. You're going to run out of bullets, uh, oh, no. y- y- you know. And I think if you you piss off Steph, you piss off Clay, you piss off Durant, occur, you know, it, at some point they're going to they're going to catch on to it. They, the cells are going to get out there, and I think that's why I said I think they're going to win tonight with KD. Get that emotion. They go game seven. six back at mm-hmm. Oracle because they're not going to lose three straight at home. It will not happen. What? They'll win game six, and then it'll be game seven back in Toronto. And at that point, it's it, – it, you know what? Hey, this is – people, I don't – don't make me remind you. This is the same uh, Toronto Raptors team and franchise that, that puckers up in the playoffs in the past. Ooh, you ooh, know? Ooh. What, what, this And you talk about big games. This would be the biggest game seven in, in Toronto. Uh, so you, you know, you're saying I, this is like they this is like they Red Sox run. Yeah, give me Red Sox. This is like this is like the Red Sox run. Give me the experience. Give me the two-time defending champs in a game seven. Uh, and I know we've got plenty of time to talk about that. Uh, but I just think that it's to me. Yeah, they, they've they've had there enough bullets that they've they fired with a different role player each time. That I don't know who else it could be. I mean, and then Lowry. Lowry had a huge game hitting threes. I almost texted you. I said, I think this might be his best game of his career I've ever seen. <laughs> and, I, and I shit on him for half of the NBA playoffs this year, especially when we both did I, when he had zero. I, right. I think everybody's dumped on him for half his playing career, period. Yes. And boy, and tell me, he, 
Yeah, he's very chunky as well. So uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll see what happens there. Hey, we actually, we got a phone call real quick. We'll take that. Okay, we'll take it. Crossroads Sports, you're on the air. Who's this? Hello. Hello. All right, they ain't on anymore. Didn't answer the first three times. I ain't waiting on you. So, anyways, back to – we got too much to talk about tonight. All right, so we've talked game five tonight. We both think the Warriors are going to end up getting that one. Uh, John, here's another thing. Do you think – what was your thoughts on when you saw the Warriors majority owner pushing Kyle Lowry (laughs) at the end of that game? Sounds like he had too many uh, gin and tonics, man. I don't know. Like, you, you, I think owners forget that you you own the team. You're not on the team. You don't play for the team. You know <laughs> right. I mean? You just own the team. Uh, something sometimes Mark Cuban has been uh, 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 accused of not accused, but you know, he's something he's found his predicament himself himself in that same predicament. You know what I'm saying? Not necessarily getting physical. Is that that's just, that's that the game doesn't have. We don't have any place for that game. We, as a regular fan, a regular fan can do that. Uh, just because a guy has a billion dollars in his uh, in his escrow or his bank account doesn't mean he, you know what I'm saying, or a minority owner, as this particular individual is, doesn't mean you get to touch the players. Now, I get it, you know what I'm saying, um, Mr. Lowry, you know what I'm saying. It, it happened to, I think, Dennis Rodman, was, you know, he started to fly into the, into the, you know what I mean, into the, into the stands right. or whatever. But, you know what I'm saying, as, at, at that point, you know what I'm saying, as a, you, you kind of know as a fan, if you're on the front lines like that, that that potentially could happen. But like again, I don't know. I don't. He lost his. He lost his cool. He lost his head. And the NBA was kind of swift. Uh, the Golden State kind of dragged their feet for a little bit. But uh, you right. know, they, the NBA was kind of swift at, uh, at at handing out punishment. And I, I think that's fair. A year, and him being away from the team, I think that's fair. Yeah, I totally agree. I think I commend Adam Silver for making such a quick move on it. Uh, the fine, yeah, people are bitching because they don't think the fine's high enough. But. Uh, a year suspension that'll almost be, you know, a complete full year with the season being over. Um, and, and you know, people make mistakes. I'm glad it's not like a huge ban. Uh, or like right. people make mistakes. You got to heat. People get in the heat in the moment all the time. I've gotten into it. I'm sure heat moment of time you have. And and you know, we right. look back on it. And we're like, damn, I probably shouldn't have said that. Said that or done that. So, uh, but I think it was a good yeah. move. Um, what they did. Right. I so, think, like I said, I think it's just. He thinks he's a part of the team, <laughs> and uh, he thought he could put his hands out there on somebody. Yeah. Oh, well. Uh, next on my list, uh, you know, we always got to cue the music. So, here we lie today on this beautiful Monday, June, I don't even know what the date is, 10th? Is it the 10th? 10th, yep. 10th. June 10th. And I'm sitting here about to do my eulogy. To put this man in the Hall of Fame, he has a four-time NBA champion, multi-time All-Star. He has called it quits for the in the Big Three now. Are officially retired. Tony Parker. We're just gonna forget about that Charlotte season because it did not exist in my head. Tony Parker. Rides off into the sunset, retiring today. John, the floor is yours. Man, he's one of my. How, how can you not? How can you not like Tony Parker? Kind of came from out of nowhere. He's one of Popovich's gems. 
that he that uh, that he found. Nineteen year old kid, I do believe, uh, played in professional league since he was 15, over in Europe for like since he was fifteen years old. And like um, I think day one, you kind of seen uh, what he could do. He was like a blur getting to the basket. Had to work on his jump shot, which he did. Um, Tremendously, not, I mean, not to the tune of like Steph Curry or anything like that, but he definitely did work on his jump shot. Uh, kind of, and, and he, and at one point, uh, Finals MVP year. He, he like, it wasn't Tim Duncan's, you know, MVP. So, I mean, cause Tim Duncan's obviously the best. Tim Duncan is the reason why the Spurs have five championships. You to be honest, but you know, she still need those other. I mean, his his Robin or whatever, his Kevin McHale. I don't like using Robin. You know what I mean? His Kevin McHale or Robert Parrish. Those are that's that that came in the form of Mondo Ginobili and uh, and Tony Parker. I would say Tony Parker retired when he signed with the Charlotte when he signed with the Charlotte Hornets. Absolutely. <laughs> but uh, but, but um, it, it was he knows when he knows when it's time. I, I was it was unfortunate that you know from a from a contract standpoint he couldn't retire as a San you know saying in San Antonio Spurs like give them one more year like he gave you know or, two, or a year and a half or whatever that he did for Charlotte. But you know things you know guys still think they still got legs or whatever and still want to get paid and San Antonio was like man we we're going in another direction we but probably they probably would have, it's probably you know they probably fighting over pennies but you know it's a business you know what I'm saying yep. so but it is it is it's not necessarily sad to see him go because he hasn't necessarily been elite and he's been, and then believe me when I say he's elite he's elite he hasn't been elite in in, in, in at least three or four seasons so um, he is a Hall of Famer. In my estimation, he has four championship rings. He has uh, what six All Star appearances, I do believe, and he yep. has a playoff MVP. He has a playoff MVP. Not it might not necessarily be add up to like what you know, saying somebody in the eighties uh, uh, Hall of Fame is, or somebody in the nineties Hall of Fame resume is. But Tony Parker's a Hall of Famer, and uh, I'm sure there'll be a ceremony sometime next season in San Antonio where they bring out all the old Spurs guards. You know, what I'm saying, and, and you will be there. Tonight. Oh, dude, I'd be glued, man. Spurs, man, Spurs, I always, you know, when people start talking basketball teams versus basketball teams, it always aggravates me, Brandon, to the utmost when they always leave out the Spurs championship. And I get the Spurs never did win back-to-back championships. They won five total, but they never won back-to-back. And I think a lot of sports reporters and fans and basketball fans alike to kind of keep it – they kind of keep that. And plus they were the fundamental team from from hell, right? They keep that – they hold the Spurs back in that regard. But – Five championships should have been six, right? Is is is, is it is what it is, man. So like, uh, so when you debate when you debate great teams, <laughs> there's all everybody talks like '80s Lakers, '80s Celtics, and rightfully so. And or Michael's '72 and '10 team, or Golden State's, you know, whatever team. They never say Tim Duncan and Miles Ginobili and Tony Parker, or or, or Greg Popovich. You know what I mean? They never say we we never do. I do, right? Because I I'm, I'm I'm smarter than the average bear. <laughs> and big shot Bob. But, <laughs> right, right, but um, you know it, it, the, the the basketball world was all theirs in the nineties between them and uh, uh, Shaq and Kobe, and like yeah, yeah. I mean like I said I, I I respect the hell out of them. All yeah, the 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 Spurs they every title they won was an odd year. Uh, that was interesting. Uh, side note, I'm not sure if their last one was an odd year. I think it was 2014 was their last one. So of their five they've won, four of them were all on odd years. So. Uh, mm-hmm. pretty cool. So shout out Tony Parker finally retiring. You retired last year, really, <laughs> but but uh, finally retiring. Give it up now. You can just live your life drinking that uh, that that French wine you love so much. Look <laughs> uh, <clears throat> at another thing, John. Oh, this is good. This is a great episode. Love it. Um, NBA draft. We're only eleven days away. 
uh, and already a little bit of drama, uh, Michigan guard Charles Matthews, well, who was also on the Pacers' radar, uh, tore his ACL working out with the Celtics just 11 days before the draft. you got to believe the Celtics are going to have to have something in place for him, you would feel, if he does not get drafted. Because he worked out for you mm-hmm. and got hurt. Yeah. I would feel I bad. <laughs> Man, is, you think that ain't feels bad? I'll sign him to a G anything? League contract. If he doesn't get drafted, I'll sign him to a G League deal. Well, he just then you're just saying he won't go to he won't go in the place that he was originally slotted at. He'll get drafted at some point, but Correct. he's gonna be he somebody's gonna take him top fourteen. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or, or Absolutely. Whatever. So, because he, he's just somebody you can wait on. Somebody, but heck, what's uh, what's uh, the kid that went to Detroit? I'm sorry, went to Denver last year from is the from Missouri, who now had another uh, Kevin back. Porter Jr. Yeah, Kevin Porter Jr. Yeah, they took him, and he had he has a multiple of issues, uh, from yeah. a, from a bad back to a bad foot. So somebody will somebody will take this guy and and you know sit him for a year and develop him. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, we'll hit more NBA here in a little bit after mm-hmm. in between our interviews. Uh, side note here, we'll get started before before Peyton joins us here soon. Uh, ESPN mm-hmm. currently has the Pacers at number eighteen taking Virginia Tech forward uh, and shooter Nikhil Alexander-Walker, 6'6", 204, uh, be a complimental guard with Victor Oladipo. I actually do like this mock. Of all the ones I've seen, this is probably one of the best ones I've seen that um, would be set for the Pacers if they do keep that pick 11 days from now. Yeah, I got to refresh myself. I remember I remember their, little, their, little, their run in a tournament. And I know I know they had a host of guards. I gotta remember. I gotta remember. I gotta look at some tape. So I had to get back with you. Um, if the Pacers don't trade out, then yeah, that would be somebody that they should definitely bring in, especially with Vic. I, I I've seen some uh, seen some video of Vic uh, actually running, uh, yeah. not necessarily full speed, but running, but running. So you know, saying so he's progressing along. So hopefully, you know, saying so maybe Vic's got a little bit of Wolverine in him, and he's and he's healing up. A little bit faster than uh, than people are ex- expecting, but you know, Black the, Panther, you, you Don, Black Panther, Black, Black Panther. He wore that outfit healing, for the dunk contest. <laughs> he don't have healing powers like Wolverine, but yeah, <laughs> I guess he does. Uh, so we've got the uh, another thing with the Pacers. Uh, word is on Twitter, uh, and word is around the city is that Victor Oladipo is ahead of his. Uh, recovery process so initially everybody was saying january february a return Mm -hmm. it could be sooner than that uh i think i i think if if i have to be put down a date or a month i will say after christmas right after christmas sometime between christmas and new year's we would get old depot back be a nice little new year's present for the city yeah yeah that would be that would be so hopefully the price would be 500 or above 500 when he comes back yeah Absolutely. Um, Spurs may be interested. It was Bobby Marks from ESPN. Spurs might be interested in a sign-and-trade deal, uh, possibly with the Pacers. Uh, it's just rumors uh, that Boyan to the Spurs, because the Spurs want Boyan. Uh, Boyan's going to—he's going to cater. They're saying now sixteen to seventeen million dollars uh, deal uh, going into this season for Demar Derozan. Uh, we only got a few minutes, John, before he comes on. I would take okay. Demar Derozan. I like Demar. I uh, I think he could be a good compliment, please. Now I know you're going to be saying this is Demar from Toronto couldn't get it done. <laughs> couldn't get it done, man. That's the Spurs trying to get rid of 
the the stank of having Demar Rosen when you gave away Kawhi Leonard for nothing because they should have got more in court. Now you know. Now we all know they should have got more for Kawhi Leonard. But in the short term, think about it. I know I'm pretty sure Demar is going to be on a shorter term contract than what we would have to offer Bojan. But I still, I, I like Bojan to come back though. Yeah, uh, Bojan. Yeah, Bobby Mark said this today that uh, the free agent market for for Bojan will be about sixteen to seventeen million dollars a year. Uh, Demar Derozan's got two years left on his deal, so um, I mean the Pacers can try to do a win now philosophy, kind of like Philly did. Right. Uh, right. Or they can try to re- resign. The problem is, I don't think you're going to get these people to resign here in Indiana. Uh, you got you got to kind of uh, take them as early as you can and hope to God they they enjoy playing here in front of the fans in the city. Shout out Miles Turner. Right. As much crap as me and you give Miles Turner, uh, he did make the uh, Team USA roster for the World Cup going on. Um, so hopefully he doesn't get hurt. Uh, there are some names that backed out of it. Paul George backed out of it because of his surgery. Russell Westbrook did, but uh, Harden's playing, so you know he's going to throw up a thousand shots himself. So, absolutely. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he he may go for sixty in the uh, in a game in the World Cup. So yeah, uh, that should be interesting. Uh, real quick, we'll do hit one quick hitter. The Indiana All Stars, high school All Stars, competed this weekend. A sweep of the Kentucky All Stars. Uh, they had nice. a 33 point drumming of the, of Kentucky and Louisville on Friday night. Uh, they beat them 120 to 74. Uh, they beat them by 33, and then they beat them by 120 to 74 on Saturday night here at Bankers Life. It's the first time in the series um, since 1940 that both teams have been playing that, that the games were decided by 30 points or more. Saturday's win was the second highest margin of victory. Victory surpassed only by Indiana's 54 point victory in 2013. So. These guys, team. If, if the future looks bright, boys, Indiana, just putting a thumping on those boys down in Kentucky. Archie Miller better get his act together. <laughs> yeah, Arch, Arch, and and Painter and uh, 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 Mike Bray and uh, shoot, even Coach Indiana LaVale State. Jordan, yeah, yeah Lavelle Jordan and Butler, put them all out there. Ball <laughs> State, absolutely. Um, trying to get my papers in order john uh let's see what's your thoughts john real quick we got uh the pacers and chris middleton i just think milwaukee uh would be offering they're going to do whatever they can to keep that guy uh, he, he's a milwaukee buck through and through is my opinion yeah i don't foresee him going anywhere the pacers uh, the, the milwaukee bucks are a match any offer than anybody else goes to try to get chris middleton um i don't see uh I, I, it kind of, like I kind of said, he'd probably be Joe Johnson point two point oh, kind of overpaid shooting guard. But you know, since certain certain small market franchises that just have to overpay for their own free agents, it kind of works yep. out. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, John, we're going to hit a quick, uh, quick ad real quick. We come back. Okay. We're going to have uh, Peyton Stovall join us. We'll be right back. All right. Today's show is brought to you by Drone Pro Media. Drone Pro Media delivers top quality drone services with expertise and professionalism. Specializing in aerial photography and videography using the highest quality drone equipment, Drone Pro Media is eager to provide you with outstanding aerial videos and photos for your next project. Visit them at dronemedia.com. That's D-R-O-N-E-P-R-O-M-E-D-I-A.com. Also, give them a call at 317-883-7404. That's Drone Pro Media taking your flights to new heights. 
All right, and it is now my honor to introduce <laughs> who I consider, Jonathan, uh, the mayor of Muncie, uh, the mayor of Ball State, uh, All right. Peyton Stovall. Peyton, how are you, my man? <laughs> hey, what's going on, brother, man? I appreciate you guys getting me on the show. Yeah, man. Uh, it's been a while since I've talked to you. Uh, you've been doing some big things yeah. here lately. It's it's good to see. I'm trying to trying to make a splash, man. Uh, just a small fish in big pond, man. But I'm trying to trying to make a splash and make an impact. Yeah, absolutely. So we'll get started for our, for our listeners. Uh, uh, Peyton Stovall, uh, Lafayette Jeff graduate, a, a Indiana All Star back in 2000, 2000, 2003, right? Same year as me. Yeah, three, yeah. I wasn't an All Star, but you know. Uh, anyways, <laughs> <laughs> so from there, Peyton, you went in, uh, what made you try decide to go to ball state and choose the card? Oh gosh, you're going to bring, you're going to bring it back on me. So, I am. you know, it's, uh, back in, back in 03, um, when I visited and I did, I was, uh, getting recruited by, by a couple of mid-major schools and, um, you know, I, I really hadn't, uh, you know, blossomed yet. Uh, I was a junior and I had a good year as a, as a junior, um, my previous year I was only averaging like three points a game, and then my junior year I was averaging uh, like twenty. So I had a huge jump, and uh, I had a good summer um, at AAU, and uh, I, I visited Ball State. You know, they were really the ones that uh, were after me at first, and so my parents and I went went to went to Muncie and uh, met Tim Buckley and and uh, um, and the guys that were there, and I, I fell in love with it. I said, I don't know if I can love anything more than this. Uh, that day, I, I decided to commit to, to Ball State, so it was um, it was a good feeling to be able to say, "Hey, I, I've made a choice," you know. And uh, um, I fell in love with the city of Muncie and, and Ball State, so it was a uh, um, it was a blessing, man, to, to be able to, to, to graduate from the school. Yeah, absolutely. You finished your career tenth in scoring, thir- over thirteen hundred points, seventh in assists. Over uh, 349 of them and six and three-point field goals made. I wanted to challenge you a couple times of that. 163 of them. <laughs> uh, you you had some trials and tribulations during your time there yeah. at Ball State, uh, you know, yeah. with a couple injuries. Can I talk about that? And once it happens, you know, where does as, – as you're an athlete, what does your mindset go to then? Like what's just the shock yeah. still or, okay, I got to do something for my yeah. team still? Yeah, that's, that's, that's a great question because – um, you know, now my mindset is, uh, you know, adversity, you know, welcome it um, and, 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 and kind of thrive off of it, off of adversity, you know, to make you stronger. Um, back then, you know, it was, uh, man, I, I hope I don't come into any adversity because I don't know how I'll handle it. And so when I, when I tore my ACL back in 05 and then uh, again in 06, it was really tough, man, to to to, to cope with it, um, um, you know, to to be able to get back onto the court and and play uh, was was certainly a blessing. But I leaned on my teammates, and um, you know, there was a lot of times that I was in the city of Muncie, and and people gave me encouraging words, and and uh, uh, you know, Muncie's like second home for me, so it was um, it was kind of a blessing in disguise, and. Uh, you know, to to have the opportunity to play basketball, I already felt blessed. But um, to come over, overcome an injury, two ACLs in ten months, um, you know, I felt like there was uh, there was a reason for it. And uh, you know, I come down the pipe. You know, I end up meeting my wife, who or my my uh, meeting a girl, and she ends up being my wife. 
uh, the year that I probably would have graduated. So at my fifth year, I meet this girl that I end up marrying and have two beautiful kids with. Um, and then, uh, you know, my, my course here, getting back to Lafayette and then now at Purdue, has been special, man. So um, I, I, I'm a firm believer things happen for a reason. Yeah, absolutely. Um, <clears throat> you went back uh, after school. You went to – your first job, I think you were down to Evansville North, correct, as an AD down yeah. there? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yep. I, yep. Down there as well. And then you had the opportunity to come back, like you said, to your home school, uh, Lafayette Jeff, be the athletic director there. I mean, that had to be like a dream come true, uh, being able to come oh, back with goodness. a familiar place. Yeah. yeah, yeah, coming back to, to home. I mean, that was my – this is where I'm from, man. This is this is stomping grounds, and to be able to come home and follow in the footsteps of uh, so many so many great athletic directors, um, you know, to, to to be able to um, sit in that seat at Jeff was, uh, you know, my it was my dream. It was my dream, and um, I was excited to to be able to do that. So it was uh, definitely one of the toughest jobs I've had, but um, one of the most rewarding too. Okay. Um, so recently, you were just uh, hired on as the uh, assistant AD of student athlete development at Purdue, which I saw it. I was ecstatic, you know, being a yeah. uh, besides a Ball State guy, a Boilermaker <laughs> fan as well. Uh, yeah, man. Very yeah. well known in this show. So what what aspect uh, it drew you to that position, and what kind of uh, tasks or key roles do you are you gonna be doing with that? Yeah. So what drew drew it to me um, was the student athlete development piece, of course. Because um, when I, I went to Ball State, and you know, I'm proud of my alum. I'm proud to be an alum of Ball State. Uh, but when I graduated, uh, you know, I really didn't know what was next. Um, I had no experience in, in, in the work world. Um, you know, I had the skills of, uh, you know, uh, working hard, work ethic, and um, preparing myself. But, um, you know, I really had no uh, job-related work experience, and so um, that was tough trying to transition from, you know, dedicating my life and my time and my passion was, you know, basketball, um, basketball and, and uh, my studies. So when all that came to a halt, uh, it was like, you know, what what else is there? Uh, and I, because I didn't know because I was so engrossed in my, in my sport. Um, and, uh, you know, I got several job interviews and uh, you know, the first first couple questions in, you know, of course they ask you, you know, give us your background and, um, you know, they love hearing that you're a student athlete and, you know, it's, oh, it's great and you're driven um, and, you know, you know how to juggle some multiple things. Um, what work experience do you have? And, and the answer is none, you know. <laughs> I got I have no, no, no experience. You know, I, 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 shout out to, to Randy Stoops, Stoops Automotive, there in Muncie, helped me out, you know, uh, earn a little money over the summer being able to, um, you know, wash cars and things like that is um, a dealership. But, I mean, that's all I had because I was so engrossed in getting to the gym and working out, make sure I was prepared for the next season uh, with my teammates. And, um, you know, that was the mindset. You know, that's that's kind of what we felt, you know, that's what we came here for. And uh, if you're, in most cases, I'd say, you know, 90, 90% of the time, you know, athlete comes to, to, to play college sports, um, they have ambitions and they have uh, goals to possibly, you know, if it works out to, to play past their college days. Um, you know, no, nobody ever goes into college and says, well, hey, I'm going to have four years here and I'm going to have a great four years. And after that four years, I'm going to look on and do something else. You know, you hope 
that you develop and you, you prepare yourself enough um, uh, over the years that you, maybe there's a shot to play past past college. So um, that was my focus. And then when that came to a halt, it was tough to transition to to the work world. Um, but I was blessed. I, I was able to go to, to grad school, and uh, that helped me out a ton. I learned a, a bunch of things there and, uh, you know, being able to do internships at the NCAA and with the Indianapolis Indians. Um, you know, I was able to, uh, you know, prepare for the next step. Uh, but there's a lot of athletes that don't know what to do after that. And, I, you know, and um, I was lucky to have guidance by Chris Taylor, who was, um, you know, our sports information director at Ball State. So mm-hmm. um, he helped me with a lot of things and, and tell me this is what you need to do. Uh, but if you don't have that guy, uh, you know, who do you, who do you lean on? And, and that's what I hope to be. Um, and and uh, Purdue's doing a great job of it already. I hope that I can just come and, um, uh, you know, give some more support to what they're doing already. So I'm excited to do Boiler Up. Yeah, I was ecstatic. Yeah. <laughs> I think they picked the right person for it. So, because uh, you have that connection with with a student athlete, and, and you know it also yeah. takes a personality, and you've got that personality with them. And uh, when I saw for Toby, sure. even when I was talking to him, I said I was ecstatic <laughs> and over the moon, over the moon for it. So, absolutely, John. What questions do you have? I don't want to take up uh, all of it. What do you got? Yeah, no, I'm sorry. It's 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 hard to take. This is Jonathan Jonathan Burst on Crossroads Sports. Hey, what's up, man? Um, not a whole lot, man. How do how do you? So it's day one. How do you communicate? You know, what I'm saying your 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 plan, your expectations. Yeah. Uh, I know you kind of you kind of you, you're not new to the area, but you're kind of new to Purdue, right? right? So yeah. how do you yeah, how, what is, how do you how do you plan how do you how do you go about cascading that yeah. that uh, your expectations? That's great, man. That's a, that's another good question. I, I think you know, for me um, personally, uh, there's some good people over there at Purdue already. So I'm going to lean on some of those folks. Like um, you know, I've met some of the people on our that are part of our team. Um, directly, like Ed Howitt, like he's going to be my, uh, you know, direct supervisor, and then working with some folks that have been killing it already, man. That will definitely help me, like Cassie Wright Eager. Uh, she's been there for a long time; has done an excellent job. And like, uh, you know, a new body like like Lacey Carmen Johnson. Um, she's in the game. She's innovative, and she's excited about what she's doing. She's working with uh, with football. Um, those types of people over there. Uh, that can help me, and I'll get to, I'll dive straight in, and um, you know, see what we're doing, and then um, you know, get real strategic about it. I think the the biggest thing, the first things you got to do is go in, and um, you can't compare yourself to other schools uh, because you're not like other schools. So you got to go in, mm-hmm. see what you're doing, see what works for your student athletes, and then you got to kind of tailor it uh, to your kids, um, to the student athlete, uh, Purdue kids. So um, we're gonna try our best to, to make sure that we can prepare them for life after sports. Um, so that way, uh, you know, they they have that same passion that they had through their four years, four or five years, whatever it may be, uh, for their for sports. Uh, they have that same passion and drive to, to take care of their, their families and their future families. Um, so that, that is our, our goal, and I can't wait to get in here and, and really start on, on the 1st of July. And, uh, and see what we're doing um, already, mm-hmm. and then uh, see how we can take to the next level. Okay, I'm gonna take two steps back here because we kind of glaze. Like, listen, you're talking to two, you're talking to two Ball State alumni here. I know yeah, you're yeah. alumni too. Yes, sir. Yes, <laughs> uh, we had the Ball State I, as, I know, uh, 
defensive coordinator last week, so it's a Ball State show the last two weeks. Nice. Ball, yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, but I, I, I know you attended in the early 2000s, and I know Brandon also attended in the early – I attended in the late 90s. Okay. Uh, so I, I know I know things kind of changed. Who was your Who yeah. was your biggest uh, rival from a school standpoint? Who was Ball State's Man, like, biggest rival? In, it was yeah. definitely uh, golly, it's probably probably between Western Michigan and uh, in Miami of Ohio. Those are probably the okay. two that uh, uh, for me personally, it was always Toledo though because uh, they had another guard there that was pretty tough, man, and Justin Ingram. And, um, I loved playing that guy because we we. Get a little chatting going, you know, during the game, and um, you know, <laughs> it would elevate know? my game to another level. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> They're like, oh no, you're you're quiet. And stuff. No, I, I, on the court, I'm a different different breed. But uh, okay. you know, he would elevate my game to another level. So it would probably be Toledo for me personally. But as our team, it was probably Western Michigan and, and my little Ohio man. Okay, who was? Yeah. What was your? What would you say was your best game collegiately? Gosh, man, that's a great question. I'd say my best game collegiately had to have been, um, gosh, when we played IPFW uh, okay. at home back in, let's see, 2008 uh, when I, I put 38 up uh, the night before on, on the uh, New Year's Eve. <laughs> you just, just talk like it's no big you. deal. Yeah, I put 30 38 that night and uh, missed two free throws. was disappointed about missing two free throws, but. Um, and I, the only reason I knew that I could have had 40 was because when I got out of the game, my dad was like, you, my dad comes to, down to the uh, railing. He's like, could have had 40. Could have had 40. <laughs> Missed two free throws. <laughs> so, uh, you know, that, that was probably my, my most memorable game um, that I've had okay. in college uh, playing at home uh, and, and putting up 38 and winning. Yeah. Okay. Hey, your, uh, your boy, Skip, he's still balling, I'm yeah. seeing. Yeah, he, he just worked you know, out with the just, Pacers. Yeah, he he just uh, I haven't talked to him here in the last couple uh, couple months, but um, he's steady working out with with uh, you know league guys and things like that, and getting himself um, engrossed a little bit with uh, with that, that that world. But he's doing a great job too. He, he's one that I'm so proud of because he's you know he played overseas for so long and then he came back, um, and as soon as he came back, he, he he found a way to get back into like the work world. Because uh, especially for guys that go overseas, like you're over there, you got you barely have any credit because you're, uh, you know, you haven't paid any taxes or anything like that, and so it's hard to get good credit when you come back over uh, from playing over there for like ten years. So he comes back over and he does his thing, and he just uh, he's so driven, and that's the athlete in him. Um, you know, that's instilled in him that uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna drive him. Another thing for him is which I'll, I'll, you know, keep relaying to our student-athletes at Purdue is, you know, uh, your your next passion, I can guarantee you your next passion is going to be take care of a little one or take care of your family and, and figuring out how you can make them successful. And uh, that's going to be your next passion. So in order to do that, here's the steps uh, to start preparing. So just like, uh, and I, I get excited about it, so, Forgive me here for a second, but, you know, just like, you know, a basketball player or a football player or, you know, a soccer kid, it's, uh, you know, you're out there working on your footwork, you're working on your agility, you're working on your strength, um, all those things you're doing in order to uh, get into a game. And when you're in that game, um, your body is prepared to do whatever it needs to in that time. And, uh, you know, that's 
exactly what we're trying to try to do, you know, with the resume building and the career opportunities um, and the internships at Purdue. That's our job is to make sure that we're going to um, prepare you for those things around you being passionate about raising your family. So, um, you know, that's what Skip's done, and he's doing big things, man. I'm excited for him, and uh, he's going to keep doing some big things. So, uh, yeah, those Ball State guys are trying to do do some things around here. It's good. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, how yeah. hard was it for you to transition back when you played at Ball State? I think, was it three coaches? Was it Tim? Yeah. yeah. Billy yeah. and Ronnie? Uh, Tim, Billy, and Ronnie. Yeah, it was, it was tough, you know, and, and that's adversity, too. Um, you know, because there's no really con- there's no real continuity, um, so that, that part was hard to develop, um, and we struggled as a team. Um, but there's a lot of things I learned from that too, and that's you know even with our, with you know my family now is um, everything. There's gonna be bumps in the road. There's gonna be bumps in the road, but we're gonna persevere, and we gotta stick together. And I think that's what we tried to do as a team. And um, it was tough. It was definitely tough, but it's something it, it, I try to take a learning lesson from everything that happens. So. Um, yeah, I miss those college days, man. I know, right? You're <laughs> telling me we were just talking about last week with Coach. He uh, said it's been a while since I've been there, and uh, he's like, "Oh, it's everything's things have changed in the village." And he goes, "I was just walking yeah. through the campus, and it's easy to fall in love with that place." It, all our listeners, if you uh, haven't been to Ball State, take a take an evening, take a weekend, go through it. It's a beautiful campus. Yeah, gorgeous campus. Doing a great job. Yeah, Merns is doing a great job over there. Excited for. For Beth, uh, the new AD, she's she's uh, I've met her several times. I mean, she's top notch. I mean, uh, I'm so excited for Ball State and the direction that they're going with the president AD. Um, it, it, it's exciting, and, and uh, um, you know, I think there's going to be so many positives um, to, to look forward to for for Ball State alums, and um, you know, they're moving in the right direction for sure. Yeah. So in 2017, go oh, go ahead, John. Go ahead. I just yeah, got go one ahead, more question, sort of. Uh, what what yeah, would you miss about what would you miss about uh, working at Lafayette Jeff? Oh man, I'm gonna miss a lot. I'm gonna miss a lot. The, the people there, um, you know, I, I grew real close to my to my assistant AD um, and, and Paul Leaf. This guy, he, he's uh, got the same type of walk as I do. Um, you know, you know, did some uh, you know college work and. Then, you know, going back to his root of, uh, you know, loving high school sports. And I ended up hiring him out of California. And uh, I'm going to miss that guy. He, he was a uh, – he just knew the game. Um, and it was really good at his job. And missing the kids uh, and watching them after four years graduate, you know, from 14-year-old squirrely kid to a, to a senior who's ready. And, uh, you know, to feel like you had a part of that, um, I'm going to miss that for sure. Um, but uh, you know, just uh, uh, wearing that red and black and being proud of my alumni, of my uh, alma mater is uh, is something I'm going to miss. But I'm looking forward to building that same type of foundation and tradition at Purdue. So, um, although okay. there's it's bittersweet, you know, I'm I'm excited about the, the new digs for sure. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah. Awesome. Well, 2017, you were named. Probably one of the highest honors at Ball State with the you know the Ball State Hall of Fame. What did that mean to you when you got that call? Oh, it was special. It was special. I got got a phone call from from Tim Buckley, so he's the one that got me over there at Ball State. Um, he had the opportunity to give me a, give me a buzz, and um, you know he, the first thing he says to me is, "You know how you're getting old." I said, "How's that, Coach?" He says, "When you start getting inducted into the Hall of Fame, that's how you know you're getting old." 
And I, at first, it took me a second to really think about it. I'm like, get back up. And I just, I just uh, kind of glazed over. I was like, yeah, that, that, that does make you old, man. It does make you old. And then he came back and was like, did you hear me? <laughs> no, me? He's like, yes. You're getting you're getting inducted to the Hall of Fame of State, and I I just I broke down and cried, man. It was a special moment and one that I'll never forget. Getting that phone call from him, he's now UNLV uh, assistant coach uh, um, of the basketball program. But you know, to get that call from from the guy that got me at at Ball State really was like a father figure and changed my life for me. Um, so it was it was special. It was certainly special. Awesome, great. So now these are the questions now that are. Uh... A little less stressful. So, uh, are you still training these days? Man, I, you know what? I just started back working out. Um, for a long time, I, I stopped lifting weights and just lifted babies um, and diapers. <laughs> so, I, you know, I get, I'm, I'm away from that. I'm away from the diapers. You know, it's saving a ton of money, so now I can, you know, put some money into uh, myself a little bit more. So, I just start, started working back out again and uh, getting into the gym and, um, you know, I'll play a little basketball here and there, but, uh, you know, every time I go out and try to play, I, I always tell myself, you know, this is just going to be cardio. Uh, it's going to be cardio to get a good run in. And, uh, it ends up being the most competitive game I've ever played. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, I got to dial back, man. I'm, you know, I'm 34. I'm starting to get, get towards that age where you got to slow down a little bit. <laughs> yeah. How, oh, how's the news? How's the nutrition? Nutrition's doing well too. I'm trying to take care of the body a little bit, and and uh, um, you know, I, I'm right now. I, my diet's been uh, it's a baby diet, so um, whatever I put on my plate, my kids sometimes eat. So I eat half of the food that I actually put on my plate. So it's pretty good diet, and, and uh, take care of myself. <laughs> okay. Uh, what are what are a couple bucket list items, Peyton, that you have for yourself? Yeah, uh, man, you know what? I'm never really thought about that um some things that i i just got to do probably uh you know before before it's all said and done is um you know i gotta go to i gotta I, somehow i gotta meet i gotta meet michael jordan somehow somewhere i gotta see him i gotta see mike <laughs> that's my favorite player of all time i gotta see him somewhere at least get a glimpse of him um you know besides through the tube before uh before before i, I knock this one out but uh um, I, I, you know, I don't know. I don't know if I have too many bucket list items. We go, you know, we, uh, my family, we're big on Disney. So we're, we're oh, at yeah. Disney all the freaking time every year. Um, so it, it's, uh, that, that world, um, you know, just making sure that my kids are, are, are ready and, and are going to be successful preparing them. I mean, that's all I really think about, man. So, uh, mm-hmm. hopefully, Maybe down the road I'll have some bucket list items, but right now, man, all I think about is how much it's going to cost for the kiddos to go to college, and uh, <laughs> and, and you know <laughs> what it's going to take to make sure that they're successful. That's, that's all that's on my mind. Nice. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> that's uh, yeah. Now I sent you a text last week to talk about for the interview, and I, I sent the last text I sent you was Warriors and six. Um, mm. I don't think mm. that's going to happen, <laughs> but do yeah. they still have a shot? I mean, I, I mean, I'm hearing that KD's coming back tonight, and if KD's coming back, that's a game changer. I don't care if he's hurt or not. Um, game, you just because there's no way you're guarding anybody at seven foot and shooting threes, so that spreads the floor open even more, uh, which helps Steph 
Draymond, it helps Draymond out too, and it helps the bigs for just having KD on the floor because um, that's one extra piece that is extremely dangerous. And you you got to guard him like like he's a hundred percent healthy uh, because you don't know what's in his what he's got in his bag. So I think for the Raptors, they're lucky to be up three one right now. So this next game here, game five, uh, they can kind of um, read what what to expect for the next for the next game. But I think the Warriors take this one, and then uh, I just don't know if I could put anything past Steph Curry and, and, and KD, those guys being right. on the same team. And I think Klay Thompson is, is uh, one of the most underrated players in the NBA. So um, even even being, you know, um, unhealthy, I think he's one of the most underrated guys. So I can't put anything past him. Uh, you know, a team, any team that's been together is 170. 70, I think it was, what was it, 73 and nine or something like that. Mm-hmm. Those many games together, I I can't put anything past them. So we'll we'll see, man. Uh, right now, I'm saying I'm saying the uh, Golden State seven. <laughs> That's what I said. That's what I said. I told Jonathan, I said Kevin Durant worries about his image so much, and because all the stuff he does on Twitter and his burner accounts, he got etc. If yeah. Durant didn't think he could come back and be successful and be ready. He wouldn't have. He would just set out the last game and said, "You know what? We'll take it and yeah. all go on." But he's got a chance to maximize his contract. He's got a chance to yeah. uh, show that it's his team. I think. I, I said earlier. I think they win all three. I think they win the next three yeah. and it cements his legacy. Um, yeah. It, so yeah, I think it's gonna be interesting. We'll see. But I, you know, Sugar Sugar K Sugar K uh, Leonard man. He's Kawhi. He's a he's a beast. He's a beast. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's really stepped up and. He's scary. He's scary because he's, he's a scary judge of talent because you don't know. Like he's so de- his game's so deceptive. Like you can't like like he's so slow and methodic with it. You know, you're like, oh, he's not gonna get anywhere with that dribble. But his pull up game is ridiculous, and he can finish at the basket. So he's um, he, he's just he, he's talented, man. And I love watching him. So um, it, it's gonna be a great series. I'm good. It's good for basketball, and uh, I'm excited to hopefully extend the NBA. Um, you know, the, the on the tube for another couple of days. So we'll see. Yeah. Game seven. I'm, I'm team game seven. There we go. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. All right, Peyton. Well, we won't <laughs> want to keep you anymore, man. You're a busy man, and uh, it's summertime, so I want you to enjoy what you can. But I want to thank you for yeah, coming on. Okay. Uh, it, was, it was really great. Uh, yeah, you can find him. I think you're on Twitter, me. right? You got your yeah, boiler stove, right? Yeah. I'm Boiler Stove, yeah, I'm Boiler Stove, and uh, I hope that, uh, you know, we can get uh, some information out there, you know, for for our Purdue student-athletes, and, um, you know, I just went to a convention uh, for, um, you know, a convention for N4A, and it was about student-athlete development, and, and uh, so I'll be trying to post some things on there, some inspirational things, and also some things that we're doing uh, that we can hopefully get out and, and help as many student-athletes as possible, so I appreciate you guys having me on, man. Yeah, absolutely, Peyton. Thank we you much, you and uh, yeah, we'll 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 get we'll talk about you later on this year. All right, my man. All right, sounds good. Thanks, Jim. All right, all right. take care, Peyton. Thanks, Peyton. That was Peyton Stovall, former Ball State great, now assistant AD of student development at Purdue. John, another another great interview there, Peyton. Uh, man, not Brandon. Not only are the athletes at Purdue going to be ready to play on the field and on the court, they're going to be ready. You know, what I'm saying for the next step. Uh, yeah, life after life that life after Purdue or life after sports, man. Like I think he kind of, I'm not, I, I didn't want to go, you know, pick with him, but I think he kind of downplayed. Man, I, that he's a real cerebral guy, man. I, I think everybody, I, I've seen some of his quotes and some of the things that he's active in, man. He's really, he's real big on, 
uh, getting, you know, he takes the student athletic that experience very seriously. So, um, Check him out. I, I encourage everybody to check him out on uh, and, and like I said, check him out on like you like you, excuse me like you alluded to on Twitter. And uh, uh, I, I know there's going to be bigger and better things to produce coming down the line. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, you noticed how quick he was when you asked him what his favorite game was. He he was quick to pick out. Oh, you know, it was the night after I scored thirty eight. <laughs> I only scored thirty eight. Yeah, nonchalantly. Yeah. I don't score thirty eight. <laughs> yeah, he yeah. just put putting fools in place there. So yeah, Peyton, good dude all around, and uh, could be happier for him uh, there at Purdue. Yep. So, um, John, let's talk baseball, my man. Man. You know, it's, what, a, it's a rare. What's your rant? That we talk baseball. It's a rare occasion that we talk about baseball here on the show, but ratings are kind of down. Ratings are kind of down. It might, and it might be because people have are, are on vacation in pleasant weather, but I, I don't think that's the case, man. They, uh, hell, Dateline this past weekend beat uh, Major League Baseball in ratings. Dateline, you, you know, you can watch Dateline anytime. You know, what I'm saying they they're not they're not getting terrible ratings. They ain't got like a four share, something like that. But like, if this is America's pastime, uh, then then why? And then this is this summer to, summer pastime as well. Well, then why aren't why aren't people watching games? Why aren't people going to games? Is that that that's also down as well? Um, I don't necessarily have all the analytics in front of me as far as the why. I know there's a lot of teams out here that aren't winning and aren't winning games. Uh, historical historically, you know, saying teams that uh, the people follow. Um, I don't necessarily think it's I, – I mean, partially some of it is like are we, do we have the best athletes out here on the field? You know what I mean? A lot of times when we talk about inner city youth – and I'm not just talking about black people. You know what I'm saying, Brandon? I know. <laughs> but we're talking about inner city youth. You know what I'm saying? A lot of the inner city youth only play football and basketball. And and, and, and then – and now as as I go to well, – my daughter just graduated from, uh, from the eighth grade. But like even in the middle school, like now soccer is more prevalent than baseball. Um, I don't know if it's if it's a if a money thing. I played baseball when I was when I was a kid between the ages of eight and twelve, and it yeah. was kind of instilled in me. It was instilled in me from my father because that's what they played when he was. That was you know basketball was you know really was the third sport or it wasn't even the third sport, probably the fourth sport uh, during his time. But I I don't know like I I I, I don't I, I know for a fact that all all the best athletes aren't playing aren't playing baseball. You know what I'm saying? Like there's athletes that probably there's there's athletes that that are still playing minor league basketball and probably screwing around trying to play Vince McMahon's XFL football that could play baseball, but don't get the time in because now we don't really support the you know well not not me and you but you know what I'm saying the the system doesn't really support uh, two sport or even three sport athletes anymore it just doesn't like it's either you grade it back either you either you 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 put all your eggs over here or you put them all all your eggs over there. You know, so um, rates being down, um, teams got. I mean, there's a, you know, there's other it, things the on. That's why I'm Go blaming ahead. it. I'm gonna blame it you because there's other things. things on. People can watch. Uh, you know, are you saying basketball it, became more popular than baseball? No, I think it's because of the number of games. Honestly, true. 162 games. Here's my thing, and I and I can be okay, called this baseball fan. I try to keep on the entire season with baseball a little bit. Uh, I hit it mm-hmm. hard at the beginning. And then I'll mm-hmm. go and just dabble in it once a month, twice a month, and maybe if it's on Sports Center, uh, from pretty much from May all the way until the All Star break, and then I'll watch the All Star game, catch up on everything mm-hmm. where we're at, 
Then I'll catch up the month later uh, at the end of the trade deadline when they start setting rosters for the playoffs. And then pretty much from the month of September on, I'm locked in on baseball. Uh, doesn't make people less of a fan. I think it's just so long. And I'm not talking about the length of a game because they've tried shortening it and they've done some good things. But baseball's meant to be relaxed, enjoying it as a fan. Uh, I think it's just a number of games that these guys do uh, mm-hmm. that everybody's just like, you know what? I can tune in real quick on baseball and then buzz out for three or four months and then come back at the end. I'm not going to miss anything. <laughs> so baseball has, has baseball has gone like the, 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 the way of social media or the, the, the occupancy or like the thought occupation of a guppy. It's like seven seconds. But I don't think, I don't think seven seconds. I don't Absolutely. know. You know what though, Brand? We we kind of talked about this off 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 air, and we'll, we'll we'll share it with the with the with the audience here. For me, everything I kind of said is true, and everything that you said is true. But what I'm going to add on to this is that baseball does not have the emotional drama that football and basketball, professional. You know what I'm saying? They, it just doesn't. You know what I'm saying? Foot like so. You say a number of games. Football, it's like every game you got to win or you're out right. at a certain point, right? Basketball, it's all nothing but drama. It's the feelings. It's the feelings of Kevin Durant. It's the feelings of Westbrook. It's what LeBron wants and his goal to be greater than Michael Jordan. It's what, you know, can Tony Parker still got a you know another bullet left? That's why he signed with the Charlotte Hornets. Does Chris, can Chris Paul and James Harden get over the hump finally? Can the Golden State Warriors come back from a 3-1 deficit? There's a lot of emotions. A lot of emotions alongside just playing, you know, just just watching, just watching the, just watching the game, watching going up and down the court. So, I, I kind of think that's part of it too, for, at least for me. That's the major part for me. Like baseball, like man, I mean, I don't want them to fight. But when's the last time there's really been like a heated, heated rivalry? I'm talking about well, maybe this year and last year. You know what I'm saying? I know the, I know Dodgers and and Giants. They still pretty much in a, in a heated rivalry anytime they play. But like, when is it? When's it really been like an emotional tug of war? in baseball right uh yeah i mean it's i mean i can't name it it's been a while here's my (laughs) here's another thing i just thought of john also we there's we have so much more now to preoccupy our time besides baseball Mm -hmm. that people aren't 100 percent invested in it they're not they have other means to look at it Hell, you look 20 years ago. Just go back 20 years ago. Cell phones were very obsolete. They could just do the simplest things. Uh, there wasn't these huge TV packages where you could get every single baseball game there is uh, on the uh, on the tube. You had maybe the one game. It's like, hey, baseball's on tonight. I'm going to watch it. Now you have it. You have it anytime you want. You want to watch it uh, without the cell phones. You know, you saw the scores in the newspapers or whatnot. So at that point, it made people want to either watch the game that was a weekly game on Saturday night, or they wanted to go to those games with attendance, you know, with some of the attendance numbers being down. It, now there's just so much, I think, for the fan to consume that, mm-hmm. and this is with any sport really, but baseball takes the brunt of it because it's the longest sport of them all. Uh, right. It, it's, I, th- I think there is where the ratings are down for them and attendance is down. Maybe they, you know what the NFL has tried to do in, in trying to copy what the NBA does. Maybe they need to support their draft a little bit more. I know it's, it's, it's a little bit different because with somebody who gets drafted in the first round of a baseball draft, it's not necessarily tomorrow going to be a star. They might become a star six years from now. You know what I'm saying? Because right. they might have to go to a minor league or a triple A or whatever. But they don't really 
it's not a whole lot of emphasis on their amateur draft. And that's, I mean, that's something the NBA maximizes on. Like, you know, the NBA maximizes every minute, every second. Free, agents and free agency is important. The NBA draft is important. Summer league is now important. You know what I'm saying? Hell, Brandon, correct me if I'm wrong, they're talking about having like a midseason tournament, like for a, yeah. like a trophy or something. You know what I mean? Uh, they're, you know, they make everything important. And the NFL, you know, saying kind of follows suit. You know what I mean? We are, like I said, they like I said, every game is important in the NFL. Every week, every practice. You know what I mean? And definitely, and then with Super Bowl, it's like it's like winter. I mean, you know, when you get to playoffs, it's like if you lose, ain't no more, ain't no like it's not like basketball. You can, you know, what I'm saying you might have another game to bounce back on, but if you lose, and you know, in the playoffs, it's, like, it's a wrap. So, I don't know. I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm campaigning, for, I guess, for a brain trust to help Major League Baseball, me and you, you know what I'm saying, they can put us on a payroll. <laughs> to, yeah. To help, we can help with some of their marketing and whatnot. But I don't, I don't think they don't, I don't think they market themselves appropriately either. Yeah. You had a good swing, John. Uh, we saw it on Facebook. For those who haven't checked it out, check out the Crossroads Sports <laughs> Facebook page. John, the bird song, you were getting chirped for that swing, too. Hey man, I, I like I said, I stopped playing. I retired at a very early uh, early age. I shouldn't have, but I did. I played a lot of played a lot of summer league, then uh, little league baseball. I did. En- I do enjoy uh, playing. I do. I don't know if I can. I don't know how good of a of a baseball player I would be right now. Um, but I do work out a little bit. But I don't know, but, but I don't know how good of a. I don't. Know, I don't know how great my hand eye coordination. Uh, honestly. When you're talking about, you know, 90 miles per hour and up fastballs and curveballs, and then actually have to stay in, stay in there and getting hit, potentially getting hit, you know. But uh, I, you know, I like I said, did you did, did you ever play baseball when you're coming up as as a, as a little kid? Absolutely, I played uh, minor league, I played little league, pony league. Uh, I played in high school, and then I quit my junior okay. year because I had to focus on track my senior year uh, to make sure I got my scholarship. And then I came back and I coached uh, Pony League for three years. So I, I love playing baseball and coaching it. My family, my dad's still involved in baseball for the youth, youth league okay. back home. Uh, and my brother you played it all growing up too. You never umped though, did you? I did umpire. I did. I umpired I for seven I years. I remember. I, yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah, you umped, man. How, how much of a tongue lash did you get from a parent? Ooh, I got quite a bit. But I I, I had <laughs> – I loved I loved umpiring. Um, I loved little league umpiring. I loved pony league umpiring. I loved high school umpiring. I even did sectional games a few times in the HSA. Uh, I did not love travel ball, which travel ball for those okay. who don't know is like AAU. That's where the parents pretty much just pay their kids for these travel ball teams. And it's like the end of the world. Think of, think of pageant moms or cheer moms <laughs> and wrap it up as an entire family of the mom and the dad together. Uh, mm. I've had people yell at me and, and, and I just brush it off. Uh, you know, it's funny when I'm behind the plate and they're like, Oh, you're out to get my kid. And that was a strike. And they're yelling strike down. How can you not see that? And they're down the first baseline. Uh, I have had coaches chirp me. Uh, and at, at that point behind the plate after the pitch or so, they just kind of, I just kind of look at them and just like, are you done? Are you done? Uh, <laughs> I've had people behind the plate, but honestly, John, I actually took, and you may know it's, you know how I am with my work ethics. Uh, I took pride in making sure that I did try to do the best job I could with it. Um, I studied mm-hmm. it um, behind the plate, and you know I, I did plenty of games of my own. It was my uh, 
it was my dad's team versus my uncle's team, and I was the home plate umpire, and it's a it's a city championship. Uh, wow. And you know what? Towards the end of the game, I'm not going to show any favoritism. Did I call my brother out on some strikes? Absolutely I did. He needs to swing the bat. <laughs> if it's close by, you swing. Uh, but no, right. I had I had several coaches and several hires up tell me how excellent of a job, and I'm not trying to toot my own horn, but how great I did of an umpiring job. And it's a tough profession for anybody um, right. because you're you're not going to please everybody. Um, I think it's worse now than when I stopped umpiring probably about four years ago or three. Yeah, about four years ago. Um, I've done a couple of games since then, but I mean, John, there's it, it, it. The world's changed so much when it comes to parents and it comes to athletes. Uh, I saw I I was behind the plate for some great pitchers, but also I've had some really shitty parents I've had to deal with. Just a couple mm-hmm. months ago, or about a year ago, um, here in Indianapolis, a local little league, um, one of my friends was umpiring the game behind the plate, and the kid struck out, and it was like an easy strikeout right down the middle. There's video, and one of the parents was so pissed he went to get a gun from his vehicle. Like, oh, man. That's come on, you yeah, know. Just, I mean. It, it, it's tough nowadays. It's not even, even if it was a major league game. You, you, what, would you go get a gun? Think about it. You know what I mean? Yeah, that, exactly. That and that's why I think parents <laughs> are way too much into it. Um, and I understand they want to support their kid, but there's a way to do it. And I guess I'm going down a different road from them umpiring. But uh, I loved umpiring. I enjoyed it. Uh, I still mm-hmm. see it's it's really great because I see kids I umpired back when they were 10 years old and 11 years old. And these kids are playing next week down here at Victory Field for the state championship. So it's good to see uh, just how much they've progressed. Uh, and mm-hmm. I actually talked to one of the coaches that's going to be coaching next uh, next week down here for state. Uh, him and his son, I umpire their games. And, uh, yeah, it's just it, – it's good to see them do well. Uh, I'll tell you what, they're running out of umpires, I feel like, before long, if things keep going down this narrow slope. Um, it just – it, it, it's people see stuff on TV. Well, they see what gets well, the know, attention. You, you, we, right. Well, you know that might be a whole other show topic, man. Like, will they bring in like uh, more cameras, or maybe even artificial? I'm not not saying artificial yeah. intelligence, like a like like a cyborg, but like a robot. Right, right, right. We have like to do for the uh, the pitch uh, pitch location. That's the worst yeah. thing for an umpire is the pitch location thing. That's absolute yeah. worst. So. Yeah. All right, John, they, quick, before they, we go on. Go ahead. Yeah. Before we go on real quick, I'm going to take a quick ad read, and then we'll be back okay. uh, to continue the show. Hey, guys. If you're going to bet on anything, there's one site, the Action Network. It gives you all the information you need to make a smart, intelligent investment, not only in a bet, but in yourself. I love this app. I've turned my friends onto this app and they absolutely love it it's the action network the action network tracks your bets on the action network app you track your bets across all major sports in one place you get school alert specific to your action follow your friends action and get a real-time notifications when i make a bet you can see our records from the last seven days 30 days all time and by sports not only can you see what smart people gamble on, but you can find out in their thousands and thousands of articles that dive deep into the things way more than just numbers. Why bet? Why the bet you want to make is a dumb one, or maybe it's the bet you want to back up for making the bad bet. 
The Action Network is a one-stop shop for gamblers. It's a gambler's paradise, guys. They can track your bets. They can tell you what bets are good, if you're currently winning the bet, and what percentage probability you have to actually win the bet. You can go against the money. You can go with the shark money. You can read the sharp trends and be a better gambler. The Action Network gives you all the tools to win. So go ahead and track me and follow me, and you can get in the action. GetAction.app backslash Brandon Reef to follow my bets. Go to the Action Network, download the app, be a smarter gambler, and also track the bets of yours so you can see how much money you're raking in. The Action Network, the greatest place on earth to be an informed gambler. All right, we are back. So to finish up our talk, John, uh, umpiring, I think it is getting down that point where they may have to do some artificial uh, if they go by the, the, the pitch and the computer makes the calls, but Hopefully not. Uh, it's scary what baseball could be in the next 15, 10 to 15 years. Well, I wanted to – just because we don't do enough of baseball talk on the show, I wanted to shout out a couple of uh, sycamores down in Terre Haute that just got drafted from to, from the, to the draft because uh, Indiana State actually had a pretty good uh, baseball team this year that uh, folks uh, <laughs> the folks had the folks kind of slept on. And three sycamores, Jake Means got drafted to the Royals, Tristan uh Pauly got drafted to the Rangers, and Clay uh Diggum Dugum Dugman, excuse me, got also got drafted to the Royals. So Major League Baseball, I'm doing your work for you. <laughs> yeah. And, and the only reason and only right and only reason why I'm doing that, man, because because uh, of we got a lot of three guys got I, I just, it was another Ball State guy. You you mentioned it last week. They got drafted. Yeah, Dre teams, Jameson. But like, yeah, but like yeah, three sycamores uh from Indiana State got drafted to the MLBs. And uh, major league to the major leagues, and uh, uh, shout out to them. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, Dre Jamison, he was drafted one. And baseball's weird about their draft because you can be drafted once. He was drafted by the Orioles in like the fourth round, fifth round, and then he went back to Ball State, and then he went back into the draft and was a first rounder this past year. So I don't know. Baseball drafts are weird to me. I, I haven't hundred percent grasped it, and I've I've tried to over the years, but. Uh, mm-hmm. Shout out to all of them getting drafted. Hopefully they'll get the get to the majors. And here's the thing: there's a lot of local talent here from Indianapolis, Indiana area that are in the major leagues. Tucker Barnhart, catcher, Golden Glove catcher for the Cincinnati Reds. Drew Storen, uh, who is, is a pitcher uh, uh, in the majors, a closer. Uh, I can't. There's a Matt Miller. No, there's somebody I can't think of his name. But he went, there's several guys that went to Brownsburg. Uh, for that little league team that made the run to the little league world series that are in the majors, so uh, Indiana's got a good hotbed for baseball. Uh, go ahead, mark on your calendars. Middle of July, I think it's the third week of July. If all things go still right the way they are, Tim Tebow and, uh, and his Mets organization come to play the, the Indians at Victory Field for a four game set. You better believe I will be at one of them to see Tebow. Tebow time. Absolutely. Tebow. Uh, Speaking of baseball, John, uh, some crazy news last night. Uh, David Ortiz Man. shot. Man. Uh, it looked like attempted murder. I mean, the guy snuck up right behind him there at the restaurant, shot him, uh, went to the hospital. His dad said the doctor saved him. Uh, and then the yeah. Boston Red Sox uh, plane came down and picked him up to bring him up to Boston for more treatment. But my goodness, yeah. John, uh, ugh, scary situation. Man, you yeah, you you know he's beloved in that country, but uh, that country just I mean just like any other just like any other country, man. You know they got they got some lawless folks 
uh, wasn't necessarily a robbery. You know, saying you can go on Twitter, you can go on the internet, go on YouTube, whatnot, and find out what it potentially might be about. I'm not into spreading rumors or whatnot, but definitely prayers up for David Ortiz, a great, great ambassador of baseball, great, great, uh, great, great lover of Boston <laughs> and then the Boston Red Sox. Right? You know, what I'm saying he never. He, I, I'm glad. He, you know, what I'm saying I'm glad nothing. I mean, this is tragic, but I'm glad nothing too tragic uh, happened. But uh, yeah, David Ortiz is actually a, a, a fan favorite, even if you don't like, if you're not a, let's say a diehard fan of baseball. You just like hearing him talk and getting passionate about, you know, what I'm saying his sport. You know, what I'm saying you, all, you you kind of just fall in love, you know, or fall in deep like with David Ortiz. But I'm just, so I'm glad nothing too tragic happened. But uh, hopefully, he hopefully he's able to bounce back. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we've got an interview with Troy Brownfield coming up here shortly, which is going to be another great interview. Uh, great. I'm probably going to, I'm probably going to learn some things today. Get your thinking caps on. As Johnson says you're going to learn today, but before now he gets on, go to school. Uh-huh. <laughs> let's talk a little WWE real quick. And since we're going to do it, John, I got a new quote for you. I'm going to play. Uh-oh. Probably This is my favorite quote from the man himself. The fact that I'm the dirtiest, player in the game. The dirtiest. <laughs> I'm writing a book right now. The dirtiest player in the game. I will stop at nothing to stay on top. Stop at nothing. I will not move out of that big house. I will drive nothing but Mercedes or Rolls Royce. I will go nowhere on a commercial airliner. I will ride in nothing but limousines. And I will make love to nothing but the best-looking women in the world. You know why? Because I'm a winner at all costs. Love it. That that's my favorite Nate quote. Besides that one and the spilt liquor. Uh, that should be that, that should be everybody's motivation motto. You know, say in the in the morning. <laughs> I will I will have nothing. I will make love to nothing but beautiful women. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Okay. Uh, all right. I mean. Hey, if you don't wake up and plan that and feel motivated, then you need to check for a pulse. <laughs> speaking right, of pulses, right. speaking of pulses, and I'm sure we'll talk about it with Troy once he comes on. Um, mm-hmm. There was not much of a pulse at the WWE Super Showdown this past weekend on Friday. Uh, the Goldberg and Undertaker match was the worst match I've ever seen in my life. Goldberg and wow. concussed, blood all over his face. I sent you videos. I sent you a pissed off Taker in his face. Uh, overall, John, a really, really bad pay-per-view, and a lot of people said, you know what? That's what you get when you're in it, just for the money and a one-time and a one-time kick for the year. Right. Um, I can't say it was the worst match I've ever seen. I do believe I remember seeing a Jeff Jarrett versus Kevin Nash match that was kind of bad too when WCW. But um, Saudi Arabia wasn't it, wasn't it in Saudi Arabia or was it was it in India? Uh, it was Saudi. I knew, okay, oh, yeah. You don't they they they're booking when Vince books a show, either in Saudi Arabia or in India. That's why I asked. He's not necessarily entertaining, you know, the smart mark like me and you. You know what I'm saying? Or or, or he's not there trying to entertain him. The American fan has a different expectation when it comes to these wrestling shows. Um, and I'm not saying that the, the folks over there aren't smart. I'm just saying they they just have they like the big name versus what actually goes on in my personal opinion what they actually goes on to the inside the ring uh goldberg is definitely way past his prime excuse me uh undertaker we know is definitely past his prime so why would anybody book them to go against one another you know what i'm saying why wouldn't 
you book them in a tag team match to go against to, to maybe help either help somebody put somebody over or to maybe help put a storyline over once you, once you come back to the states. You know what right. I mean? But um, but obviously that didn't happen, and because of that, because of this, you know, I mean, it's just called what well, is dumb booking. You know, Vince has kind of let the door open for other organizations, other, you know, whether it be Ring of Honor, whether it be AEW, for people to kind of like turn their back on WWE and see what else is going on. Yeah. So that's uh that's where we at with uh, WWE. Yeah, and I'm sure we'll get more out of it here here soon. So, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. but without further ado, you know, we have to introduce our next <laughs> interviewee, which is going to be a great one. I'm excited. Uh, we've got the uh, staff writer for the Saturday Evening Post, uh, comic book writer himself. Which I need to learn my I need to brush up on my comic books. I'm I'm bad at it, John. But uh, Troy Brownfield, <laughs> Troy, my man, how are you? Good. How are you guys doing? Doing well. Doing, fine, doing well. Doing fine. Uh, it's a pleasure uh, for, for for me to introduce uh, Troy to, to you, Brandon, and to the Crossroads Sports uh, listening audience. Troy uh, Brown, for me and him, go way back, way back, way back. Uh, we actually went to Chicago to a Comic-Con back in 2000 where Troy, Troy actually had a table. We had a table together. Uh, yeah. We, rep- we had a site uh, where Troy, is. The, I'm sure he'll speak about it a little bit, shotgunreviews.com. It was kind of a catch-all pop culture site uh, where, we, uh, where I was allowed to let my hip-hop knowledge come to, come to, come to flourishing. Uh, you know what I'm saying, on a, on a weekly and monthly basis. Uh, and I appreciate Troy uh, for, for that. Um, but Troy also is, like I said, he's a know-it-all of many things. And, uh, <laughs> That's uh, many things, many things, many things. And I won't – I'll gloat about him, but I'll, I'll, let him do, I'll let him do his own gloating. Um, first off, Troy, I want to talk – I mean, because this, this technically is a sports show. You recently wrote an article about the seven most controversial sports moves. And like I said, like uh, – we all know because this is this is a Indiana-based show. Uh, we all know the Colts get a, a a black eye. You know what I'm saying? A slap on the wrist, whatever you want right. to call it. When when we talk about you know what I'm saying them moving from Baltimore to to um, to, to Indianapolis. What other what other controversial sports moves uh, did you write about? Well, um, first of all, thanks for the uh, big introduction, uh, my hype man, Jonathan. <laughs> <laughs> um, but. Uh, you know, the, probably one of the most controversial is the uh, Dodgers moving from Brooklyn to Los Angeles. And mm-hmm. what a lot of people don't realize is that that move also uh, sort of forced, sort of paved the way for the Giants to move from New York to San Francisco. Um, because when they made the deal, when the Dodgers said, okay, we're leaving Brooklyn, we're going to L.A., um, the league said, all right, another team has to move to California, too, to establish a foothold for California baseball, so we have a local rivalry and everything. But it also allowed for New York to create the Mets. So okay. there were all these little things in play that, you know, people in Brooklyn were upset. But the truth of it is attendance had been down, and it created all the conditions that were right for them to move. But then what you had happen was you opened baseball up to the West Coast, and then, you know, you had the creation of the Mets. Um, so in the long run, New York is good for it. But, you know, the whole thing about people in Brooklyn calling the Dodgers the bums and everything you know, came out of that move. And it was right. it was really heated for a long time. Um, so that's, that's one of those big ones that we talk about. Um, another one, uh, the Rams 
doing the whole St. Louis, L.A. back, the Raiders. Um, <laughs> right. You know, uh, so when we look at the, this history of moves, I mean, there's a lot. There's If you look at how many teams have moved over time, there's a, my, my favorite team that moved without a name change is the Lakers um, because they were Minnesota. Mm-hmm. And, of course, you've got lots of lakes there. I mean, it's in the state motto. Then you move to California, where the state owns all the water. So, you know, it's it's funny when you hear like the the Lakers when all all the lakes are owned by other people. Um, but right. <laughs> I got so. you. Okay. Well, like I said, man, I just wanted you to touch base on on that just a little bit. Like I said, this is a sports show. Uh, yeah. A lot of times we 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 do have an audience that does not know that the 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 Rams have moved more than once or to, uh, I don't know twice now. Yeah. Right. Um, but I did want to touch base. Also, we're going you know, shifting gears a little bit. I did want to touch base. Also, Brandon, you're talking to uh, two of the two of the most aficionados on X Men comic books. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and uh, as, as 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 everybody knows, man, the 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 rights to the X Men. Was kind of was not not kind of was 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 split between uh, Marvel and Fox, and now uh, the, the rights to the X Men, as far as cinematically, is is owned by Disney. What? Um, I, okay, this, this you know this being blank, you know sir, what did you think? I don't know if you if you've seen it, but I'm I'm sure you you know, seen spoilers or seen reviews. What did you what do you think of this final movie, this Dark Phoenix movie, with with, with Dark Phoenix being a very important part? Of the storyline that the X Men, it's very important, Brandon. I know Brandon. Brandon, Brandon doesn't know. So, uh, what what do you think about <laughs> this Dark Phoenix movie? Well, okay, let me put it in a sports context, right? The uh, <laughs> Dark Phoenix saga is to X Men as bird magic is to the NBA. Um, Ooh, okay. Because <laughs> that was perfect. You've got you, you, when. When the X, a little little nutshell of the X Men, X Men were kind of a mid-list title when they started in the '60s. They weren't as popular as mm-hmm. Fantastic Four, the Avengers, or anything. And there's mm-hmm. a period of time in the '70s when um, they weren't even getting new stories. Everything was reprints for a few years, from about '71 to about '75. All the X Men comics were just reprints of the original material until they got rebooted as a multinational, multicultural team where you brought in characters like Storm and Wolverine and so forth, and then they exploded. And as they were just going up and up and up in popularity, this Phoenix saga happened in 1979 to 1980, and X-Men outsold everything for the next 10, 12 years. Um, mm-hmm. When they did a new first issue in 1991, it's it's still the most it's still the biggest selling single issue of all time. It sold more than 8 million copies of just that one comic book. So... Mm-hmm. Dark Phoenix saga set the table for all of that. And, you know, I use that bird magic thing because, you know, the NBA was the NBA. It was successful. It had been there for a long time. But the unparalleled heights <laughs> that it would get to, you know, this is that story. And they've already blown it once in the movies. <laughs> they did uh, in uh, X3, The Last Stand, they did a version of this story. And so when uh, – they said they were going to do it again. Um, I'll tell you the truth. I didn't run out and see it. I I kind of knew that it right. wasn't going to work. It's the kind of story that requires build-up, um, sort of like the Avengers uh, took their sweet time 
in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, several movies to get the Avengers together in the first place, several more movies to build the stuff that they did later. And Fox, for the longest time, has struck me as we're just throwing whatever we can against the wall while we still have the rights <laughs> to make money. Right. And right. They, they just, uh, you know, it, it seems almost simplistic because these are big corporations and they're all driven by money. But, you know, at least with with Disney, with Marvel Studios, with a guy like Kevin Feige in in the chair, um, he cares at the end of the day about what happens to the stuff. A lot of the people that were over there didn't care about that. And I think that, you know, it seems almost simplistic, but that is the difference. That's the difference between, you know, my kids growing up and knowing the deepest deep bench of Avengers roster <laughs> and other kids mm-hmm. growing up and not knowing who the Fantastic Four are. You know, I mean, there's a right. there's a difference. Does it, I, I mean, I got a lot of questions, man. I'm glad, glad we got you on. <laughs> does, it, does it wow you that we are immersed in the superhero culture now when it was kind of like the, you know, shh type of thing when we were growing up, like, you know, kind of, I'm, I'm not, not like going to a peep show, shh, but like, you know, <laughs> comic, books, comic books were, comic books, comic books weren't as big as they are. Comic books, like, oh. Troy, I, like now, now I wear a Deadpool t-shirt to work or I wear a Spider-Man t-shirt to work and people are like, wow, that's a great t-shirt. And I'm like, dude, you should see my polo. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> But does it, exactly. What are your thoughts? What are your thoughts? What are your What are your thoughts on like versus like when you grew up reading comic books? Like what it is today? Oh, it, it, it's mind blowing, you know, to me because you, you encapsulated it perfectly. For one thing, um, the idea that you could walk into any store, any name one, top to bottom, and buy a superhero T-shirt or item of merchandise is that's just still crazy to me. Because, you know, when I was a little, little kid, you know, I'm, I'm 45, so, you know, I was, um, you know, five years old when Superman the movie came out there about Christopher mm-hmm. Reeve. I had mm-hmm. a singular Superman t-shirt, <laughs> and then mm-hmm. I had, like, a Captain America sweatshirt, you know, and, and that's right. it, you know, for years. And then, like, when, you know, Batman comes out in 89, you start seeing Batman t-shirts, but... Now the 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 level of just cultural assimilation and understanding is so huge, and Jonathan's right. You know, there were people who would, who would beat you up if they, you know, oh you're you comic geek. You know, it was it was one of those windows to like you know the stereotypical bully stuff. If you had glasses, if you had braces, if you had asthma, of which I had all three, so I'm a triple crown winner, um, <laughs> and then. You know, you were into comics or whatever. It was, you know, you you could seriously catch some heat. And now it's just like everybody knows who, like these very minor, by comparison, characters would be. Right. A lot of people can uh-huh. tell you who the Vision is. A lot of people can tell you, right. you know, right. who Quicksilver is. And that would not have been the case. How uh, much has social media played in that now? Just uh, to kind of... Because you could always go back and on YouTube. I mean, my God, YouTube, you can go back and see some of the old stuff too. Uh, yeah. How much has that played a role with it in this development? I think it's I think it's played a huge part because um, that that is kind of the funny thing. It, it's um, with the bullying aspect I mentioned. You know, 
there there was an aspect of kind of like this new generation of people, the kids who grew up fans, the kids who had to hide it, um, over the past 20 years or so, assuming the positions of power in in media, in the electronic world, and so forth, they get to put this stuff front and center online. They get to build entire websites and so forth that orbit these characters. They get to greenlight the movies and the TV shows. And social media helps in a way that it helps kind of every fan base. It allows people to find other people that like a thing that they like. So even if you were like me, it was a kid in Terre Haute, Indiana, that didn't have a lot of people around you necessarily that were into the same kind of stuff. You can get on the computer and you can find a kid, maybe not just in your town, but in Davenport, Iowa, in New Mexico, in Bangladesh, and you can all talk about how much you like uh, Fantastic Four, NBA basketball, whatever. <laughs> you know, you can all uh, build this fandom. And, and to their credit, um, Marvel in particular um, recognized this very early. And they've always been very good about constantly updating their websites. They've had PR people in place on Twitter for a long time. You know, uh, Ryan, who goes by Agent M, and these other people, they're uh, out there advocating for Marvel fandom, dropping little hints about stuff. They're very savvy about it. Uh, The cast of the Avengers, except for Scarlett Johansson, who kind of stays away from social media. But the other big five are on Twitter and Instagram all the time. Um, so it really perpetuates the brand. It allows people to follow. They feel like they get to know uh, the actors. And in terms of comics, they get to know the writers, the artists, because all of those men and women are on social media as well. And it went from creating um, not just these little pocket communities that you used to have with these small local shows, but these big worldwide communities. And it's really just beyond whatever my wildest expectations ever would have been about any of this stuff getting popular. Okay, um, Troy, can you tell, tell us a little bit about your own comic? I mean, because as Brandon alluded to, you, you, I mean, I, I know, but can you tell us a little <laughs> bit about uh, Spark, Spark Shooter? Well, um, yeah, so I, I do um, different comics that uh, both print and online, and um, like Jonathan said, Spark Shooter is near and dear to my heart. It's a thing that I created and that I own, and it's been running for a long time. Uh, SparkShooter.com, and we do uh, drop new pages every week on social media, but um, it is set in 2003-ish Indianapolis, and it's about a local band trying to make their way in the music scene, and the characters are in their mid-20s, so they kind of know that this might be their last chance to actually do something as a band before you kind of have to give up and get regular jobs and all of that. And it's inspired in part because I grew up with uh, bands either playing in or working with managing local bands and so I have a lot of these experiences I've kind of rolled into it and while the main characters are fictional a lot of the Indiana venues and artists that the characters interact with are real people um, so you might see them playing at the Melody Inn or the Vogue um, which are things that bands I worked with did back in the day and people I know still do and so it's got that, that element of realism to it but you know, overall, it's a comedy, and it's really about you know that kind of figuring out who you are because art is a really hard thing to make a living at. <laughs> right, right. And, and and so 
that that's the spark shooter. And I've done a lot of other things for other places. Uh, recently, I've been doing a lot of work with uh, House 137, uh, who is a Brazilian studio. Um, I met uh, those guys through work that I had done for Dynamite Comics when I was writing the Blood Queen series for them uh, a few years ago. And um, Paolo Yonami, who's one of the artists for that, he's a partner in this studio, and he and I have been working on different projects together, and I've written stories for some of his characters, and uh, those get published in both Portuguese for the Brazilian audience and English for the American audience. Nice. Okay. Okay. You still do you still uh well you, you kind of alluded to your band management uh career. What do you still listen to anybody currently that comes like like new bands? Oh, uh nationally or locally? Uh either. I'm I'm I'm, I'm yeah, I'm curious. Either. Um my my favorite local band is um sort of like a super group of uh people that have played around the Indianapolis area for a while but uh this band named there are ghosts and lead singer uh gwen writes she was the lead singer of a great band called lunar event and uh the other members of uh there are ghosts are comprised of people that were in great indianapolis bands like pop lolita and, and the shivers and so forth but they're uh mm-hmm. really good people and they do really good music and they play uh frequently in the city and around other places they've played on uh like a wfyi um, for local okay. TV and then some other things too, but they're cool people. Uh, nationally, and this is kind of hilarious because it was you know no uh, connection between the two, but um, I, I really love the uh, band Ghost, which is the Swedish metal band that <laughs> like the, the the horror theme horror theme metal band. I don't know if you've ever seen the uh, if you're familiar with Ghost, but the lead singer dresses like a skeleton pope, and the other guy wear other guys oh, wear wow. like. Uh, Devil Mask, so they play like basically what sounds a lot like uh, '80s style metal, but they're they, they do this whole shtick with tongue firmly in cheek. But they are a super <laughs> fun it. band. Um, you know, it's I'm like, looking at the pictures right now. It's uh, it's good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, Square Hammer, Far and Away, is one of the. Uh, they've won a bunch of Grammys too. They're they're. Uh, um, you know they're increasing in their popularity. Their last album debuted in the top like five Billboard album charts, so they're they're getting pretty well known. But it, it's just one of those things where they're just they're well known enough to sell really well and tour really heavily, but they're not quite over that hump of being like household names. You know, they. But uh, I don't think they've annoyed quite enough parents yet to really get that boost that a good. <laughs> Controversy would get them, but but I really enjoy okay. them. I I like what they're. I, I like the aesthetic that they're doing. I like that they know that they're, and they know their fans are kind of in on the gag, you know. Right, right. Okay. Well, um, before you came on, we were talking a little wrestling, and I know you're. I know you're somewhat of a fan as well. What do you think of the state of not 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 necessarily just WWE or in, in NXT? What do you think of the state of the wrestling business all the, all around? You know what I'm saying? What do you well, do you keep up with any of it? Yeah, I've been I've been keeping up. Um I don't watch exhaustively. Um it's mainly but I do I do check in pretty regularly. Um I think that the AEW development is uh really interesting and I think that ultimately it will probably make WWE get better because I think they're going to have to step up once they're against 
a regular show again. Um, and and this, this is kind of what I mean by that. Like, you know, AEW went out immediately. They've got, what, more than 60 people signed to the roster, so they've got a pretty solid group. Um, yeah. But, you know, Vince has always been Vince's worst enemy. Yep. And he he needs someone to push him. And some of the, you know, the right. Attitude Era was defined by the Monday Night Wars. And if Vince is, like, totally in control, then he gets to indulge in all of his worst impulses and doesn't really listen to the crowd. You know, if you keep bringing out a wrestler and saying they're your number one guy and the crowd keeps booing them into oblivion, um, <laughs> that's not a good thing. The- you know, right. Not, right. not that you can't have heels that are over, but it's just, you know, that's not necessarily what the crowd wants. But you you can only ignore the live crowd and ignore online and ignore the critics and stuff for so long. And when right. AEW does this, you know, when they do their first event and the reviews for it are just rapturous. And then what you followed up with was that Saudi Arabian performance that, Oof. you know, wow, man. <laughs> so... You know, you've got to you've got to rethink your strategy, and I don't know if that means he turns the keys over completely to Hunter and Stephanie. I don't know if that means a top to bottom rethink of how you're pushing your people. But as you have these big contracts that wind up, and if they like what AEW is doing, they're going to jump just the way people did during the '90s. You know, they're going to. And I mean, John Moxley was a perfect example with his, you know, he was, and I listened, I mean, I told John, listen to that other podcast when he gave his interview, you know, he was tired of the same fairy tale storylines. And his biggest thing was, <laughs> I, I don't need writers. I'm not an actor. I, I can do my own promos. If I need to have somebody yeah. write my promos, I, I shouldn't be in professional wrestling. Uh, and then now he dang near the biggest star, of the AEW besides you know, Chris Jericho. Uh, and there, and he even said on his last show that I've done four interviews, uh, or four promos and they've just said, you know what, do whatever you want. And I think that's going to help people grow. And like you said, it's going to drag a lot more people over. They keep pulling people over. They just hired another, uh, WWE guy yesterday that started uh, AEW now. So it's, I think it's going to be great. And here's my thing, Troy. Why and it, it is Vince McMahon versus Triple H, uh, pretty much with the two organizations. Because I keep telling Jonathan, it's night or day difference between the NXT and WWE. Oh, yeah, you know, and that that's one of the sad things about it is that they build these people up in NXT and they have, you know, they're super over with the NXT crowd. Then they get to the main shows and they just die, <laughs> and because yeah. they're not really, right. you know. And another thing, th- this is. And they do it a little bit, but you guys might remember this. Like, they used to run vignettes and do stuff to tease people coming for a really long time, and not just one person out of ten. They yeah. used to do it for a long time. Like, I remember the buildups to like Mister Mister Perfect and Ken Patera and all these people in the mid '80s. They would do these lengthy buildups to bring them in, so that when they debuted. You know, it was it, it meant something, or or if they brought somebody over that was already known, like when they brought Taz out as a surprise to wrestle Kurt Angle, um, at least people knew who Taz was because of the other right. shows. Right. So, but but they don't really they just kind of throw somebody out. They they rely on you know oh. 
hey, yeah, that's so-and-so from NXT, which you should be watching on <laughs> WWE Network. <laughs> and, and then it's kind of like, well, I don't know who that is. And, you know, it they have a chance, in, in switching over to AEW for a second, you mentioned in particular, you know, like Jericho and Moxley and these people, but, you know, they've got a real opportunity to lean on some of the internet fandom because people have been talking online about Kenny Omega for years. Oh, yeah. And now you have a venue to say, this is what we've been talking about. <laughs> you know, and you can really build up some excitement for that. Whereas Vince seems to be like, yeah, I mean, Roman Reigns is a great story in that, you know, he went away and he beat leukemia again. He came back, you know. But people don't want to see him be the leading face of the company. They've made that abundantly clear. And as long as they keep pivoting back to that, <laughs> it's. <laughs> It's not going to help them. <laughs> right, right, right. Like, yeah, well, now, start to go. I, I told Jonathan I saw the uh, – I watched the last NXT pay-per-view they just did, and I told him by far probably the best match I've seen in a long time was the Adam Cole and Johnny Gordano title match, the last one. Uh, I thought those two guys tore down the house, and it's, I'm just nervous once they move them up to WWE – I mean, before long, you can only put so many people in the boat before somebody falls out, right? Right. And, and, and people aren't leaving uh, on, on retiring or stuff. I mean, God, look at Goldberg Undertaker. These people are stealing <laughs> spots where the young talent should be, you know, uh, showing their case well, or their skills. Yeah, and, and, you know, the Undertaker one in particular just kind of makes me sad because he had the perfect exit, and then he had the perfect exit. And then he had the perfect exit, <laughs> you know, and, and he, 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 they've allowed him to kind of, you know, he left the, when he left the hat and everything in the ring and all that, you know, that's, that's, that's poetic. And then he just keeps coming back. And it's like, it, this is what Mick Foley used to say, you know, you can only come back so many times before you've kind of cheapened it and nobody right. believes that you're going to be gone anymore. And, right. you know, when he had that, Detroit, he, his, yeah, go ahead. So he is, a, he is a zombie. He is a zombie technically. <laughs> <laughs> right. That's right. He, he, but you know, Gold Goldberg should have been should have been done after he had that the one singular comeback right. run, and everybody was right. happy to see him, and then everybody was happy to kind of applaud and send him off. He should, you know, that's when you stop. Um, yeah. I, well, I know we're getting the that, Oh yeah. Yeah, we're getting. I know we're getting nervous because uh, you know Jonathan's told me for the last year on this radio show that he would not watch wrestling until the title was off Brock Lesnar. And then now Lesnar's back in the title picture again. Uh, uh, so we're a nervous ground right now. Hopefully he doesn't take it off. Cause I very, want a guy that's going to be there all the time. <laughs> yeah. Well, Tori, that, we do, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. No, you got, you got, you got the floor. I was just going to say, that's the irony, you know, right? Like when um, they put the championships on, you know, the various ones where they had put him on Reigns and Rollins and everything, that was the plan. They were going to be the fighting champions and stuff, and then Reigns' illness interfered with that. Um, and then everything since then has kind of been default. <laughs> yeah. You know? And it's like they had the fighting champion plan, and then it didn't work out. And it's like, well, that didn't work out. Let's do everything but. And it's kind of, yeah. Troy, it's, last it's question important. I have for you. Rank, yeah. rank your top three favorite wrestlers of all time. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Oh, man. Or if 
that, need to go to five. Is, I'll let you go to five. Oh, <laughs> uh, I don't know. I can I can do three. Um, this is a very difficult one. Uh, okay, when I, when I say it, you know, I, I I've got a whole bunch of stuff that rolls into it. I I like the 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 promo guys, uh, you know, overall character and so forth. And um, I'll say my my top three. I'm gonna go number three, Macho Man Randy Savage. Um, you know, it's not mm-hmm. often it, like people kids have been born that have never seen a Macho Man match, and they know who Macho Man Randy Savage is. They they know the voice, they know the promos because he he will live forever on YouTube apparently. Um, <laughs> but but you know he was he was a tremendous promo guy. He was great in the ring. Um, for a big guy, he could fly in the early days. Um, you know he was just super entertaining character. Uh, number two, I'm gonna go with Sting. Um, yeah, because Sting, um, you know, he had one of the great reinventions of all time, uh, becoming the Crow Sting, and mm-hmm. I just always liked his style and his tenacity. And I'm glad, he, even though it, it ended with you know kind of a bad career and injury, I'm glad that he did eventually come <laughs> over to WWE. Oh. And kind of complete that circuit of, you know, doing stuff for all the bigs. And I'm glad he's in the Hall of Fame because he deserves it. And my favorite, uh, based on everything, is is Mick Foley. Because he's, uh, in a lot of ways, the embodiment of the fan who worked his way up. And uh, went against, you know, he didn't have the classic look. He didn't have the classic build. Uh, what he did have was an incredible work ethic and an inhuman ability to take punishment, <laughs> and he turned that into multiple <laughs> successful characters and a decent writing career. So, you know, that's what what can you say about the dude? I mean, I just admire the heck out of him. So, very nice. Okay, okay, okay. I'll give it to you. Well, I like those three. Sure, <laughs> hey, dude, we gotta get you back on here, man, because Brandon and me are great. Uh, zombie fans of The Walking Dead, and we do that like one. Ooh, we do yeah. that. Brandon, this dude knows George Marrero's bio inside and out. George Marrero's responsible for uh, oh, yeah. zombie zombie culture in, in, in American society. So we'll have to get you back on for sure. Don't want Absolutely. To you. We appreciate you coming on. Yeah. I don't too much time. I do want to oh, know what, what, what you're working on right now. Um, Let's see. I was working on uh, Spark Shooter. I just wrapped up. Um, actually writing a uh, collection of uh, horror short stories that I'm going to be putting out hopefully in the fall. It's with uh, proofreaders right now. I'm not entirely certain of the venue for that, but it's it's okay. prose. There's ten stories and then four uh, nonfiction pieces in it on uh, uh, horror film history kind of stuff. Um that I'd done for a couple of things. And then um, I've got a couple more comics projects coming up that I can't announce yet, but they'll uh, probably be announced pretty soon. And then, of course, um, I'm my big, big project, aside from working for the Saturday Evening Post, is I'm getting ready to start a, a new novel. Uh, my last one was uh, Prince Dracula, which was out in 2014. But um, I'm okay. getting ready to write a completely new one, uh, which I have no idea how long it's going to take. <laughs> it's, been, it's been percolating for a while. So, you know, um, the next thing I think that people are going to be able to to see outside of Spark Shooter is probably this uh, short story collection. It's uh, kind of a different thing for me. But Okay. So where so can we go. follow you at? 
Where can we follow you at on Twitter? Yeah, I, at Troy Brownfield on Twitter. And uh, the best place for Spark Shooter updates would be go to Facebook and follow Spark Shooter. Like and follow Spark Shooter on uh, Facebook. And I'm on Instagram at Troy Brownfield as well. Perfect. All right, Troy. Well, thanks for joining. We're definitely going to get you on because we got a lot of Walking Dead to talk about. All right. Well, thanks a lot, Brandon. <laughs> All right. Take care, Troy. <laughs> Thank Th- you. Thanks, thanks Troy. Talk to you guys later. All righty. All right. That was Troy Brownfield. Awesome. Another awesome interview, John. Uh, I didn't realize how much catching up I have to do with my comic books with that. Yeah, you do, dude. <laughs> the, comic, the, the comic books drive the movies. That's the comic yeah. books drive the movies. That's right. Absolutely. Uh, John, any last things here? We got just under three minutes left. Any, uh, Man, any I got things? a quick, I got a quick shout out to K and J landscaping. Anybody in the area, I know it's a free promotion. Hey man, anybody in the area needs landscaping or their grass cut or any tree, tree removal or any, any, any large stump removal or any hell. They, I think they even do, I think they even do gutters. Brandon, you call three one seven. I need mine done. Oh seven. Three one seven six nine eight zero seven nine nine K and J Landscaping. That's our homie Justin Powell's uh, landscaping business man. And he's a, he's a, he's a great supporter. That, otherwise, I wouldn't read, I wouldn't be uh, shouting him out on on on, on the cast. Absolutely, Justin Powell. Shout out to you. Yeah, I need my gutters, man. I just this big storm we just had. I uh, I think there's leaves left over from the uh, last fall that's uh, overflowing me. So may have to reach out to there. Uh, no, I think we had a great show tonight. I wish we had more time. Yep. Uh, two hours yep. always seemed like the most. Uh, but yeah, great interviews with Peyton Stovall and with Troy both. Uh, it was a lot of fun. Uh, the aspect of them and their lives. Uh, and then also kind of diving into the entertainment I- industry because you know we want to talk about more than just sports. You know, especially when the sports dies down here soon into the summer months. So, yep, definitely looking forward to. It. We'll be back again next week. Uh, date's still not sure yet, but it'll be promoted. Uh, please like, subscribe, and share to the Facebook page. Uh, we've had a lot yep. of new followers lately on the Facebook page, so uh, welcome to those people that might be listening for the first time. Uh, this episode will be uploaded onto iTunes, SoundCloud, and Google Play Store all this evening, probably around 9.30 or so. All that will be up for everybody. Uh, yeah, it was a great show. Hopefully everybody has a great week. John, any final parting words for us? Brandon, we didn't even talk about mini camps in the NFL, man. And Colts fans are driving me crazy, even though everything is looking good for the Colts, man. Colts fans are driving me crazy on threefoolishmen.com. At Twitter, I'm sorry, threefoolishmen on on Twitter. Dude, just Colts fans, calm down. Everything's going to be all right. I promise. <laughs> That's going to be the next show. Next show, we're going to be talking about that. NBA yeah. Finals tonight. Colts talk next yep. week. We'll probably wrap up. And we got the NBA draft. So we're going to be talking a lot of NBA draft as well next week. And uh, yep. next week, can, can we confirm our interview? Uh, we got Notre Dame sensation uh, Ken Barlow coming in to talk with us uh, for an interview. Hall of Famer. Also, he's the Indiana Hall of Famer. So, yeah, he'll be here next week, next week with us for sure. Absolutely. Perfect. Uh, great interview with Ken Barlow coming up. So, all right, Crossroads fans, thanks for joining us tonight. We'll see you guys again next week. Thanks for listening. Crossroads Sports.